Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. you just heard was that of Minneapolis City Council Vice President Andrea Jenkins. She joins me now. Excuse me, Miss Jenkins, it's just that, that your voice, that song, just, just everything that's been happening. Um, you represent the neighborhood where this incident took place. You have said that George Floyd's death felt like a symbol, uh, quote, for a knee on the neck of black America. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. Can you just talk about how this death has impacted the community you represent and you personally? Um, good afternoon, Brooke, and, um, and, and thank you for inviting me to be a part of this conversation. Um, you know, before I speak on your questions, I, I, I do want to, you know, publicly offer my own deep, sincere condolences, sympathies, apologies to the family uh, of George Floyd. What a what a what a tragic, traumatic um, incident to happen um, to our city to my community, um, to our nation, uh, at a time when we are dealing with this, um, this terrible, um, coronavirus, uh, we're, we're in the midst of a pandemic, and, and unfortunately, um, we have two viruses that we have to deal with in America, and that is the coronavirus, as well as the, the virus of, of racism that has infected our entire society, for far too long. Uh, the people in my community are, are pained, are traumatized. Um, you know, we have had so many high high profile hashtag moments in 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 the city of Minneapolis, from Philando Castile to Jamar Clark. Um, uh, Terrence Franklin and Thurman Blevins and, and, and of course Justine Damon who, who we cannot forget. And, and we saw justice in that case. We saw justice for, for Justine. We absolutely must see justice for George. That is what community is seeking. That is what community is asking for. Um, and, and the violence I do not condone. The, the looting and the violence, I do fully understand the, 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 um, the out, the outrage that people are expressing. How would you, there are so many emotions as I'm sitting here listening to you, I'm, I'm having my own, I'm surprised at my own emotions on, on, on TV with you, but I've just, as a, as a, White woman, aware of my own privilege in this country, I am so angry, I, and I can't even begin. Forgive me. No, it's um, it's a I, human, it's a human emotion, Brooke, and and I think what is so, what sparked so much outrage, 
is that there seemed to be no regard uh, for humanity or, or human life in the video that we all witnessed. Um, the, the officer sat there with his knee on, on uh, Mr. Floyd's neck for, for an unbearable amount of time, almost 10 minutes. That is unconscionable. And, and he had a smirk on his face and his hands in his pockets like he was totally relaxed. And I think that, that lack of humanity, that lack of respect for, for black life is what has enraged so many people in this you, instance. You talk about these high profile, you know, deaths and, and hashtag moments and describing, you know, George Lloyd's death there. And, you know, we know the mayor uh, wants, we know the officers have been fired. I'm just thinking of justice. Andrea, and I'm just wondering from your perspective, as you represent this corner in this city, what justice looks like for you in this community? Right. So, you know, I, I very early on, very publicly called for the firing of, of the four officers. And so I'm glad that the mayor and the police chief um, uh, responded to those requests. Uh, and, and did the right thing. Uh, but justice won't be served until these officers have been charged. Um, that is what people charged and arrested. And so that is what people are calling for. That is what will, I believe, calm the, um, the, uh, the gathering, the, 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 the gatherings, the rallies, the protests, the, the riots. I mean, because at some point last night, what was a peaceful protest that I participated in right. became right. a riot. And so um, I, I do not condone that in any way um, whatsoever. However, again, I, I do understand the frustration. And the only thing I think is going to help us to resolve and bring down the temperature um, in this situation is if our... County Attorney Mike Freeman does the right thing and um, presses criminal charges against uh, what we all witnessed, um, uh, a crime uh, on that video. I think so many Americans are, they've watched what happened in Central Park. They've seen what happened in Minneapolis. They saw what happened in Georgia. And, you know, Lord knows the years, right? This is just a... Don't uh, forget the young lady hashtag say her name yes. that was murdered in her bed. Yeah. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 30th of May, Year of Our Lord, 2020. And by your intro, yeah, these riots have just got out of control, so I decided, you know, before I do yard work today, I'm going to sit down and do some recording because... I think the last time the wife and I watched this kind of stuff was Ferguson. Day two or three when things got out of control and the media was part of the story and CNN was promoting it. And that lead my privilege crying. I could call this just CNN. The least trusted name in news. Because we will start with that. We will end with that. Every one of their celebrities 
trying to prop up this protest as peaceful people working for justice. We will see that in less than a second, my son sent me a light switch picture. COVID lockdown, racism. And they flipped it that quick because we were just here a month ago talking about how lockdown protesters, people that had to get temperature checks but stormed the Capitol with guns, were un-American pieces of shit and part of the KKK, endangering everybody. And by the time I finished my podcast the other day, what are we, two days later, it has escalated to nationwide protest. Thousands of people in the street. Nobody's wearing a mask. And they've gone from the fake lie, hand up, don't shoot, to we're going to go get us some Louis Vuitton. Because that's what they've done. It is no longer about justice. The media has already tried to twist in. Trump said, when the looting starts, shooting starts. And went back to a 1967 Miami cop statement that very few of us know. And said he was saying that because he's saying to shoot the protesters, which is not what he says. Which he then says, that's not what I was saying. But they don't care because they're still airing it two days later that he said that we should shoot the protesters, which is not what he said. And everybody in the world somehow pulled out a MLK speech he did that rioters are people that don't have a voice. It is their language. To try to, once again, make it look like it's okay. So we're going to go through it. We have a lot of sound bites. We have a lot of indictment of the media who believe that this is the greatest thing ever, who spend all their time pouring gasoline on it. But as I read on Twitter, the chickens came to roost because by the time the night's over, CNN headquarters is getting rat-fucked. And Chris Cuomo's voice is so different. So let's get to the facts because we don't deal in facts. All right, Facts are not what we do. Jonathan McCall, according to preliminary autopsy, there were no signs of strangulation, said Floyd had an underlying medical condition that contributed his death. Charging Doc against Minneapolis police officer who kept his knee on George Floyd's neck says autopsy reveals no physical finding that support the diagnosis of traumatic asphyxiation or strangulation. Combination of force and health problems contributing to death, plus intoxicants in his system. Once again, by no means am I excusing what the police did. I said it the first time I podcasted. What he did was wrong. There was no need to keep him down for nine minutes with his knee on his neck. That was just kind of overboard, but that's not what killed him. We didn't see the before scene. And I hate to say the same things all the time, but you you go back to fucking live PD. Cops just don't lay their hands on you. You have to do something for them to lay their hands on you. But that doesn't matter. They're going for third-degree murder because 
They don't even think they can get that. Manslaughter is probably what's going to end up being. And I don't know if they went for the lesser. Because it's he didn't kill him. His conduct aided to his death. It's like a bar fight where you don't intend to kill somebody, but you punch them in the face, and then they die. They should have gone for manslaughter. But all you see in the streets is a shithouse lawyer as well. The third degree isn't good. Now everybody needs to be arrested. The media is dangerously showing his face again. Which, as my wife said, and she's right, he can't go to normal prison now. Because as we break this all down, this isn't grassroots. You know, we had so much, and we're going to cover in our This Is America, the tale of two protests. We had so much coverage of the Koch brothers are paying for this. This is concerted. They're bussing people in. There is not a protest that doesn't have chartered buses next to it. Not a protest. This is a coordinated effort from top to bottom. And our media won't, they're not going to respond to it. They're not going to report it. They're not even going to pay attention to it. It takes really brave people, not the firefighters like Katie Tour, but brave people to take these pictures. And there's pictures on Twitter of people lined up, somebody giving instructions next to two buses in Minneapolis. There are reports of people flying in to Minneapolis airport for the protests. Antifa, George Soros people, they're funding this. This is the anarchy they want. And the sad thing is they don't broadcast, air, or tell you about all the heinous stuff that's going on. I watched today's show this morning and they're still... Most of the protesters are peaceful. No, they're not. No, they're not. There was a curfew. You didn't go home. That's not peaceful. There's multiple accounts of CNN, MSNBC that me and the wife flipped back to last night. The cops just left. There was no police going back to the L.A. riots. What are they supposed to do? If they get force, you're going to kill them. This is the Ferguson effect. This is what it's all about. So, I'm going to play it for Matt in Oregon. I'm sorry. It needs to be heard again. So, here is Heather McDonald from the Manhattan Institute on why cops were not in the street. The media won't talk about this because they spent all their time discrediting what Ferguson did to policing. You talk a lot about the Ferguson effect. Uh, Tell us exactly what you mean by that. Well, the Ferguson effect is the twin phenomenon of officers backing off of proactive policing and the resulting increase in crime. Last year, we had the largest one-year increase in homicide in nearly a half century. The vast majority of the victims of that homicide increase have been black. The reason for this crime increase, I believe, 
is that officers are living today under a false and dangerous narrative that says that they are shot through with systemic racism, that we're living through an epidemic of racially biased police shootings, and that the type of proactive policing that I think is responsible for a 20-year crime decline that this nation has enjoyed uh, is under attack as racially oppressive. And by proactive policing, what I mean, Doug, is the vast universe of discretionary activities that officers can but do not have to engage in based on their knowledge of criminal behavior and observation on the street. Above all, pedestrian stops, what's known as stop, question, and frisk, and low-level public order enforcement, otherwise known as broken windows policing. Cops are doing much less of that in inner city areas. Yes, yeah, so it was a combination of both the policing practices and then also the other issue that you talk some about in the book of, of, that is some call mass incarceration or just uh, uh, mandatory sentencing, but, but more harsh um, uh, sentences in one respect or another. And so your contention is, though, that now as a result of the, these these controversies over the past couple of years, that police officers are not engaging in the, the level of, of, of intimate policing and, and uh, discretionary policing that was so effective before. But what do we really know about, particularly over a sustained period of time? I mean, is, is, there, is, there, is there strong evidence to, that correlates the spike, the, this, this uh, immediate spike in homicides in Chicago, for instance? That cor- that, do we know how that correlates specifically to to a change in police practices? There was a study done in 2005, an economist at the University of Washington looking at the police riots in Cincinnati in 2001, uh, and the economist found a clear correlation between officers backing off of that proactive, discretionary type of policing and a rise in felony crime. Chicago is, as you suggest, Doug, the primary example of what I've called the Ferguson effect. Last year... As crime was starting this very, very worrisome increase, U.S. Attorney General Loretta Lynch called an emergency meeting in Washington in in October of big city mayors, police chiefs, and U.S. attorneys from across the country to discuss this crime increase. Rahm Emanuel, the mayor of Chicago, came, and he told the participants that Chicago cops, as he said, had gone fetal, and they were less likely to interdict criminal behavior. That was 2015, when cops were already in Chicago reacting to this false narrative. This year, on top of last year's back off and depolicing, pedestrian stops in Chicago are down 82%. Homicides and non-fatal shootings are up nearly 50%. Again, you cannot talk to an officer. I was in, in Chicago in June, an officer said, He has never experienced so much hatred on the streets in his 19 years on the job. He said it's basically an undoable job now. Every time an area has riots, this is what's happened. The police black back off because there's nothing they can do. All Minnesota and their riots got them as less policing because cops will be less apt to do the right thing to enforce things because they're not going to deal with it. We covered on the show how Baltimore basically had the highest murders ever, all because 
of the Baltimore riots. After that, after the Freddie Gray shit, they said, fuck it. We're not dealing with this shit. And remember, the Freddie Gray, Gray incident, those are African-American cops. It wasn't white guys. But overnight, media ignore. KCBS confirms two Federal Protective Service officers were shot last night. One has died from his injury in Oakland. They just drove up to the Federal building and shot two guards. Media is ignoring it. That has nothing to do with this incident, but that's what they've done. Here are uh, Baltimore, uh, New York City, and New York City 3. Uh, the Baltimore one is fabulous. This cop just decks a lady who's beating up on a cop. They're now calling for him to be fired. But he was a huge African-American. And this lady, for no reason, just starts decking a white cop, just beating the shit out of her. They ignore it. And then the last one, New York City 3, Council Speaker Corey Johnson, how did we go from peaceful protest to what transpired tonight? We failed to de-escalate. The NYPD should be easing tension, not pepper spraying. See? It's a Ferguson effect. Let them just burn shit. Give them an area. They were bringing an expert on all the liberal channels. Just give them an area and let them burn it. So here are, I'm just going to play the outside. There's Ohio where the state capital got burned. Um, New York City sound bites. Fucking Baltimore with the cop fucking decking. Uh, fucking NYC where they, they sling a girl. Now they're, those guys are going to get fucking... They're going to get fucking fired. Um, I have Houston. Um, I'll save Louisville. We want to cover that late, later. So here, here's just a, a litany of up front. And then the, well, then a fucking soundbite that angered me so bad I had a hard time going to sleep at 1030 last night. But this name, uh, Oh! 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 Damn, yo! That was that one, bro. Yo! I ain't gonna lie, I'm about to get a toy, yo. Hold on, hold on. Yeah! <laughs> 
None of that is peaceful protesting. None of that is has anything to do with police brutality. They're attacking the cops. And before I get into my scripted portion, I watched Chris Cuomo last night. And he talked about a cop getting beat up in L.A., and he came back on and said, you know, I, I don't mess around. I, I What I said was true. Here's the video. He didn't say it one time during this it was wrong. And granted, I, I'm taping this with my phone. But he didn't say this is wrong. And it left me to think the only reason why he played this is because he knew his viewers would enjoy... Cops get beat up. He knew that. He thought it was great, so he played it. And I, I don't understand why you would. He had his hands on somebody. That white guy runs up, gets, his, gets him in a choke, pulls him off. Somebody pulls him off. He goes away. The officer is still on the back of this guy. that he obviously wants to detain. Other people are coming out and attacking the officer. You're going to see it. You see the kicks. You see them coming from behind. He still has his hands on the guy in the hoodie. That person pulls that traffic. They're afraid. They don't want to be part of this melee. You see people, they're, say, they're going to say they're trying to pull the officer off. And you see the guy in the yellow, but they're beating the officer. All right? Make no mistake. And this is the civilian, I believe, that I was telling you about. And the hat comes out. He's trying to keep the officer safe. The officer's getting pissed off, understandably. And now he's going to walk away. Okay? He wanted to air it. He wanted to. Because he knew it was good for his base. They love watching it. And as we go into our scripted, here's Chris Hayes pretty much admitting, I'm a fraud. Because lockdown protests were bad, but these, these are for social justice. 
Over the past several weeks, we've all gotten used to these scenes of protesters against physical distancing, against public health measures, gathering in cities across the country, often armed with long guns. We've seen the incredible, at times, really almost unbelievable forbearance of police officers amidst a pandemic as these people, these protesters, shout and berate and menace like they did here at the Minnesota Capitol just last month. But, you know, it was a very different situation. The Twin Cities last night were a very different group of people, many of whom wore masks, tried to physically distance, flooded the streets to protest the death of a 46-year-old black name, man named George Floyd. On Monday, Floyd was detained by police in Minneapolis on suspicion of passing a fake $20 bill. That was the infraction he was uh, suspected of. An officer kneeled on his neck as Floyd said repeatedly, I can't breathe. Floyd had no pulse when he was in an ambulance. He died soon after at a local hospital. Four Minneapolis officers, including the one you see there, were fired within 24 hours for their involvement in the incident. And last night, this is how the protest of Floyd's death ended up. Police in riot gear flooding the streets with tear gas and shooting rubber bullets into the crowd. Huh. Another example of how this pandemic has been a kind of blacklight exposing all the inequalities in American life. There's a couple nutshells in here that I could just play and be a very short podcast. Because that's a that's our media in a nutshell. The difference. Sista told you, which protesters looted and burned stuff to the ground, assaulted people, Chris? Protesting is legal. Rioting and looting isn't. But that was their press. It was across the board. I swear they had that back channel fucking chat room because it was universal. Just like it was with Obama. If anybody says something about Obama, call him a racist. With this, if anybody says anything about these protests, shut them down with the but. This is for peaceful protesting. These are peaceful people going for social justice. Julia Ihoff, sorry, let me get my glasses. So the time when armed protesters stormed the Michigan State Capitol was fine because they didn't take anything? They didn't storm. They were temperature checked. They were protect, protesting for their freedom to spread and catch the coronavirus. Get with the program, Ihoff. Wajat Ali. Travis. They also didn't break any laws. So there's that. Martin Luther King said that he wished that his children will be charged by the uh, charged by the content of their character and not the color of their skin. You have demonstrated you see nothing but their skin. Julia Ihoff. Ah, you're right. Yes, all they were also they were white because they were trying to make this a black white thing. Chris Cuomo last night asked every person. The shit was blowing up. People were running. He, what is the composition of the crowd? What is the composition of the crowd? What is the composition of the crowd? Well, you'll hear people on the right say it's a bunch of angry black people. Nobody said that. You have inferred thugs. Oh, don't worry. We're getting to that today, too. You have said thugs are black people. For me, a thug is a criminal. He could be black, pink, a fucking Martian. I don't give a fuck. He's a thug. But you 
made it a racial thing because that's your wordsmithing. That's what you people do. When you start losing an argument, which you there is no argument for what's going on in our country right now. There is no argument. The guy, Robert O'Neill, the guy who took out fucking uh, Osama bin Laden, I don't know why I defended you. That's exactly what I'm thinking every night when I watch this. Because this isn't America. This is not fucking freedom. This is not what the forefathers said about the First Amendment. To go to the public square. It was for fucking important shit. Not, a guy got killed. They've arrested the guy that didn't really kill him, but we're saying he killed him. So now you burn shit and get some Louis Vuitton. No, that's not what the forefathers thought. Non-Jags board game guy. Breaking... The law to protest versus not breaking the law to protest. It's not a difficult concept. Ask yourself this. Why didn't the looters storm the Capitol to protest? Why didn't they? Another one. This is one of the lamest attempts of false equivalence I've seen. Least list those that were injured and anything that was destroyed or stolen during the Capitol storming. Which is the only time there was anything during the whole time. We've had multiple capitals, multiple city centers destroyed by your peaceful protesters. And of course, we're editing Trump tweets as we'll get in our Twitter section. But LaVia Gatewood, a journalist, burn it down. Fuck property, fuck cops. Hey, Jack and Twitter Safety, why isn't this tweet censored? I have been retweeting things directly to Yoast, the guy that says, will we fly over those tapes that fucking elected this Nazi? Directly to him. There's, It's everywhere. Hillary Clinton, President of the United States, calling for violence against American citizens. That, that Not what he did. That is wrong. We need honest reckoning and reconciliation. You've already have joined the work to replace him November. Start now. Sally Cohn, one of the famous hands up, don't shoot. We'll take it to her grave. Even the Holder and Obama said it's bullshit. This picture is people in Minneapolis protesting the murder of George Floyd. The thing about protests is they're overwhelmingly peaceful, but tend to be covered by the media only when it fragments and turns violent, especially when black people are leading protests to defend black lives. This is the media perpetuating the same racist narrative used to justify police brutality, not to mention how the violent acts of black Americans are exaggerated and attacked while the violent acts of the state are minimized and defended, not to mention the difference between how white-armed protester demanding freedom to get a haircut were treated and kid with kick gloves by those same state actors and media outlets while black protesters defending their lives are not. What planet is she on? See, that's the projection. We're going to butt. We're going to but do the whataboutism. But Trump said a tweet that we twisted into racism, so it's his fault people are burning shit down and people are getting shot. Motherfucker just drew, just drove up to a protest and shot people in a crowd last night. We have no status of they're alive. Because the media doesn't want to report that. It's peaceful. Ilian Omar. And if you watch last night, you'll see what she requested they had. Omar's daughter shows support to, on Twitter for Antifa group organizing riots. 
And Leon Omar is no stranger to controversy, and the apple doesn't fall from the tree. The congresswoman's daughter, Isra Hersey, who participated in protests in the past as a climate activist, is now sharing support for the riots in Minneapolis, where she lives. In a series of tweets on Thursday, Hersey shared numerous tweets that could be read as calls to action against the police. One of the tweets Hersey promoted was promoted by Twin City DSA, an Antifa affiliate account. Want to help out your comrades protesting at the 3rd Precinct, which was burned to the ground? Here's a good list of much-needed supplies, except for milk. Water is always better for eyewashing than milk. The count tweeted, want to help out your comrade to say, here's a good list of much-needed supplies. Uh, a list of supply protesters could use to protest the site, which included goggles, gauze, first aid, plywood for shields, anything else useful, just shielding from cops, and a variety of makeshift weapons, including tennis rackets, hockey sticks. This morning, buildings near the 3rd Precinct Station were set on fire, including a low-income residential building that was currently on discretion, and the target, and blah, 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 blah. Ian Michael Chong tweeted that. Alicia Lewis, fires burning right now on Lake Street and 3rd, set by her group. The police, who should rightly face condemnation for the brutality against Floyd, are now tasked with protesting the community from rioting. Fireworks going off every few seconds as people haul wood planks and other materials from nearby construction sites for makeshift barrier along Minahawa before it hits the lake. At the end of the day, the biggest losers will not be the police or the state, or it'll be the citizens, this article states. But they had it all up. They had a barricade of plywood supplied by Ilian Omar's daughter and probably Ilian Omar herself. We'll get to the CNN everybody's racist unless they believe these protesters are peaceful and the grandstanding and blaming Trump but something sneaked out from Van Jones and if you actually watch these protests He's a percent, 100% spot on. You don't need to worry about the KKK guys. There's no KKK guys going out protesting. After Tiki Torchathon, there's been nothing. But you do need to worry about the Hillary voters and their racism. Oh yeah, he said it. They're tired of people saying over and over again that uh, uh, you know, we're just basically one bill away or one election away from some progress. It's not the racist white person who's in the Ku Klux Klan that we have to worry about. It's the white liberal Hillary Clinton supporter walking her dog in Central Park who would tell you right now, she, you know, she, people like that, oh, I don't see race. Race is no deal to me. I see us all as the same. I give to charities. But the minute she sees a black man who she does not uh, uh, respect or who she has a slight thought against. She weaponized race like she had been trained by the Aryan nation. A Klan's member could not have been better trained to pick up the police and uh, pick up her phone and tell the police it's a black man, African-American man, come get him. So even the most liberal, well-intentioned white person has a a, a virus uh, in his or her brain that can be activated at an instant. And so what you're seeing now is a curtain falling away. 
See, deep in his heart, he knows there are very few KKK white supremacists rolling around. There's people that go to websites, but there's not a shitload of them. They're liberals. And if you look in the crowd doing the violence, the majority in Minneapolis are white people. The majority doing these hits are white Antifa. But the left is so invested. Well, here's Keith Ellison. Don't react. Uh, the, Ellison noting National Guard was doing COVID tests over the weekend. Don't affect, react to them the way you might react to the Minneapolis police. Treat them okay. But fuck the police. Remember, this is the same guy who posed with the book, the anti-fascist handbook. I'd uh, like at this time to turn it over to uh, Minnesota's Attorney General, Keith Ellison. Governor, thank you. Martin Luther King said many years ago that riot is the way that the unheard get heard. He didn't condone it. But he said to the nation, as a person who always protested peacefully, that don't just dismiss that and ignore it and relegate it to just criminality and bad behavior. Actually ask yourself, what's going on there? And is it something that we as a society absolutely must pay attention to? I think we must pay attention to it. I'd like everyone to to recognize the fact that the National Guard just a week ago was administering COVID-19 tests to help people, to help people. The presence you see on the street, don't react to them the way you might react to the Minneapolis Police Department. It's not the same group. They have different leadership, different authority, and their job is to try to bring peace and calm back again Please remember that this is not the group that you associate with um, unfair conduct, but it's a group that, in fact, just a week ago was trying to make sure that Minnesotans could survive and thrive and live because we are still in the middle of a pandemic. It is that sense of service where they get involved uh, when it comes to natural disasters, storms, floods, rains, diseases, now they have to restore order on the streets. And I hope that you, the community who is protesting will uh, protest peacefully but not see this as, as, an, as another occupation by another military force. It really is to make sure that there's calm and peace and that everybody can operate peacefully. So please accept it as that. I'm asking that of our community. It is essential, as, and I've said this before, everybody keeps asking the question, when, 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 when? And this is, a, this is a perfectly legitimate question. It is important to know that under Minnesota statutes, the primary jurisdiction for criminal prosecution is with the county attorney in which the offense occurred. And I believe that the message has been sent and received that the wheels of justice must turn swiftly, not unjustly, expeditiously, thoroughly, fairly, but swiftly. 
it is important that people have confidence that accountability, no matter who you may be, is how we live in Minnesota. Let me also say that this prosecution, this investigation, this criminal process is important and it's, is it is and it is and the whole country and the whole world is looking at it. Cannot solve the problem. As the governor so eloquently said, events like this start and they come to a conclusion, but we never start the process of real reform. I will submit to you that Myself and uh, Commissioner Harrington, under the leadership of the governor, have already started a process on the working group on preventing and reducing deadly force encounters with the police. We have a report that we want attention from the legislature and the entire community on to focus on that so that we can really get to the bottom of this when it comes to issues of use of force, when it comes to officer wellness, when it comes to community healing and a whole range training issues, all kinds of things that bear on this issue. And it's not just those things. We believe, I believe that the real work of our, our working group is the implementation of this, and that really begins in earnest now and is more important now, I think, than ever. So I just want to, as I conclude my remarks, I want to say that we, we have to have a situation where Lake Street, a precious jewel of our state, is a place where Minnesotans can walk again, where businesses can be safe again. But I want to be clear that if the message was this situation with Mr. Floyd is intolerable, absolutely unacceptable, and must change, that message has been sent and received as well. And the governor, myself, the lieutenant governor, all of us are committed to that long-term change. And I can tell you that I spoke with many legislators who feel the exact same way. People in the philanthropic community feel the exact same way. So I think we're going to do some real changing. We're not just going to fix the windows and sweep up the glass. We're going to fix a broken, shattered society that leaves so many people behind based on their historical legacy of being in bondage and servitude, then second-class citizenship, and now fraught with disparities from everything from incarceration to housing to wages to everything else. And so with that, I want to... I hand it over to um, General Jensen, uh, General, Major General Jensen, who will uh, uh, further elaborate. That's the fucking Attorney General. Attorney General. And then there was a big push by the left online to throw pictures of black militia guarding black-owned businesses. And everywhere there was marking black-owned businesses, and nobody says that's racist. But that's okay. And every gun proponent, good for them. That was a fail. They thought they'd get somebody to say something because they haven't realized the people that are for 2A could give a fuck if you're a Martian. It's a right. You can own a gun. Nobody was dogging the L.A. riots for the fucking Koreans with their... K-14s tearing shit up. 
They were saying good for them. Good for them. But that's how they want to play it. They want to say it, it's it's what Cuomo said all night last night. A bunch of angry black people. Nobody's saying that. Nobody cares when they protest. I don't even pay attention. It's when they protesting turns into an Antifa BLM, let's destroy everything. And another big proponent's on MSDNC. Here's Joy Reid's take. Him. And in this subject of Mr. Floyd, he was not treated as a citizen. You wonder if, you know, there had been a white person and there had been a 911 call that they'd passed a $20 bill, would that person be dead? Likely not, right? If the police had showed up on Mr. Cooper, he would probably, you know, be in great risk. We'll just put it that way. And we've just seen this right. over and over and over again, whether it's Trayvon Martin, whether it's Ahmad Arbery, where regular people say, you know, I can act as the police. I can pursue you. I can chase you, even if you're a kid. And then I can say you're the one who's dangerous. And I can say I have a right to kill you and just do it. And just do whatever I want to you. You know, the Breonna Taylor situation where you can be in your bed. You are not, you are a subject, not a citizen. And that's how a lot, that is how black people feel right now. That we are being treated as subjects and not as citizens. And it's the same thing with these armed white men who can get armed up and walk into a state capitol. And that's okay. And the police are benign. They don't even act afraid. But let Black people show up and protest the death of an innocent black man, and suddenly, you know what, we need tear gas. we got to go full force. None of that's true. Cops just didn't go up and beat the fuck out of the guy. Everybody knows that except for the race hustlers. I mean, you can still push your case and say what was wrong was wrong without lying. The left doesn't know how to. Sarah Silverman, police fired tear gas into a peaceful protest of George Floyd's murder, but stood like the goddamn Queen's Guard when the white assholes with guns stormed the state capitol, protesting to have to wear a mask in a pandemic. We live in two Americas, and if that doesn't make it clear, you're a dummy. Another person replying to her. I guess I missed where they ran through the Capitol looting and setting fire and throwing rocks and bottles at people. What I saw was a peaceful protest of people carrying legal guns and waving flags. Big difference, honey. But that's not the narrative. The narrative is we're all racist. Will Bunch, Philadelphia Inquirer, Minneapolis is on fire, but who poured the gasoline? Dozens of people, police killing, an unholy union of cops and Trump, and a nation deaf to Black Lives Matter set the stage. MLK, a riot is the voice of the unheard. Are you listening now? His article, Minneapolis is on fire, but is America 911 call enough to change our country's racism? This article is based on nothing. It is just attack Trump, attack white people, Rando tweets, Kentucky Patriot. Here's a Minneapolis police officer union leader on stage wearing his Cops for Trump t-shirt, receiving warm congratulations for Trump at a rally in Minneapolis last fall. That's your six degrees of separation to say, oh, it's Trump's fault. And Trump made that guy kneel on his neck. But it was the first incident that turned into repeated incidents of playing this video from 67 of Martin Luther King. Let me say, as I've always said, and I will always continue to say, that riots are socially destructive and self-defeating. I'm still convinced that nonviolence 
is the most potent weapon available to oppress people in their struggle for freedom and justice. I feel that violence will only create more social problems than they will solve, that in a real sense it is impractical for the Negro to even think of mounting a violent revolution in the United States. So I will continue to condemn riots and continue to say to my brothers and sisters that this is not the way. Continue to affirm that there is another way. But at the same time, it is as necessary for me to be as vigorous in condemning the conditions which cause persons to feel that they must engage in riotous activities as it is for me to condemn riots. I think America must see that riots do not develop out of thin air. Certain conditions continue to exist in our society which must be condemned as vigorously as we condemn riots. But in the final analysis, a riot is the language of the unheard. What is it that America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear that the plight of the Negro poor has worsened over the last few years. It has failed to hear that the promises of freedom and justice have not been met. And it has failed to hear that large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than about justice, equality, and humanity. And so in a real sense, our nation's summers of riots are caused by our nation's winters of delay. And as long as America postpones justice, we stand in the position of having these recurrences of violence and riots over and over again. Social justice and progress are the absolute guarantors of riot prevention. Yeah, nobody's referencing the fact that he said nonviolence. They're just saying it's the voice of people that can't be hurt. It's it's all coordinated. It's across the spectrum. It's unfucking believable. Martina Natravadlova, time to riot everywhere. To all those who have issue with me calling for riots everywhere, please look up the many definitions of riot. This is not a call to any violence whatsoever. For example, this is a definition of riot, an unbridled outbreak as of emotions, passions, etc. So simmer down. That's not what you're asking for. The left needs anarchy. That's how they win. Everybody off balance, hating everybody else. That's their fucking modus operandus. Last night, we watched Cuomo, and it went into Lemon, who kept saying, I'm not going to here to scare you. Just stay calm. Everything's okay. Because for the previous nights, this is him losing his shit. The, the title of one is Lemon Stuns Cuomo, and then the other one's The Usual Lemon. It's Trump's fault that people are burning shit down. With D. Lemon, right now. I've got a question for you. Yes, sir. So, in that same vein, because we're talking about this, these viruses that are infecting America, 
Imagine when you said, I do for what I do for you, I'm doing for me. What I'm doing for me, I'm doing for you. Imagine if that was me on the ground, how you would feel as a friend, as someone I spend a lot of time with. Imagine how people around this country feel when their friends like you, both of us are a different background, when their friends say nothing, when they do nothing, except send out a tweet or say, oh, man, that's terrible. I can't believe that happens. And then when they see everyday racism, they don't stand up for it. Imagine how that feels to people of color in this country. It feels terrible. Is that really being a friend? And I'm not saying you specifically. You understand what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. I totally understand. And, you know, the only word I can use is just hurt. It all hurts. Uh, we didn't have the plan, uh, the show plan, the way it unfolded. I just, we just couldn't let Williams go. I mean, he was saying what you and I have heard, you know, you've heard in your own heart. I've heard from so many uh, people that I love that they're so afraid that it's going to be them. It's going to be their kid. And white people roll their eyes like, oh, come on, man. This only happens like once in a while. It doesn't have to happen that often. If every time it happens in your mind, it seems to go uh, unanswered in terms of why it's okay. So we kept them on just so that people could hear how scary it is for someone to watch that and think. But that, that's the problem, Chris. It doesn't, it's not that it happens. It happens a lot. We just don't see it. We're just seeing from the video. This is, this is the reason that Colin Kaepernick was taking a knee. And then people were upset, and the President of the United States having the nerve to call him and others who were standing up for this sort of injustice to call them sons of bitches. This is why people are standing up, so that it doesn't lead to this. So that you aren't sitting at home saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. Look at what they're doing to this man. This happens all the time. This is why he was doing it. And the, the nerve and the gall of people to say, oh my gosh, stop doing this. I want to enjoy my football game. Now think about that now in this context. How selfish that sounds. And how you, how you might feel if that was your loved one on the ground. And that there were people who have been protesting this all along and who are, who have been fed up for years. And they're trying to get your attention by something as respectful as taking a knee at a football game. Yet you can call them sons of bitches. But then you look for an excuse for this police officer in Minneapolis saying, well, there must have been something that led up to this. The guy must have been resisting. Clearly, this just can't be the poor, the act of a, of a police officer or someone who is supposed to be protecting the community. Yes, it is. You, people who continue to look for excuses. Well, what is the rest of the video? Where's the rest of it? Wasn't he resisting? He must have been doing something terrible. He shouldn't have been in this position. Maybe he should have been complied. How many should have been complying? How many more excuses do you need to make? before you examine yourself and say, okay, maybe I need to wake up a little bit and take a good long look at what, what I've been doing. Maybe I need to understand or realize that the environment that this president has trafficked in can help to lead to these sorts of situations where people think that that sort of behavior, meaning the people who are doing these things, the people who are... Um, calling the cops on people falsely in Central Park, the people who are chasing people down the street in Georgia and killing them, that you may begin to think that your actions are normal, are normal. That you may begin to think that you, as the preeminent voice, can do things that are inhumane to other people, and it will be accepted. The game was given away. 
The woman in Central Park said, I'm calling the cops. I'm going to say that this scary black man did something to me, knowing that the cops would come there and probably be on her side and not his. The police officer, according to your witness, he looked him in the eye. He told the police officer, hey, stop it. You're going to kill the man. The cops said nothing. Maybe you shouldn't be on drugs. They gave the game away. That is the game. We can do it and we can get away with it. And no one is going to tell us any other. No one is going to tell us otherwise. We're not going to go to jail for it. Maybe I'll lose my job. I'm going to keep my pension, though, because guess what? The police association is going to fight for me. That is what has been happening in this country for years. And that's why the Black Lives Matter folks are out there. And that's why people are protesting, Chris. I'm not condoning people protesting, but let me tell you, people are tired of living in an occupied country, a free country that's a country that's supposed to be free, yet they are occupied. So they are frustrated and they are angry and they are out there and they're upset. You shouldn't be taking televisions, but I can't tell people how to react to this. I don't know how it is to live under those circumstances in those neighborhoods. I do live in Harlem, but I am lucky enough that I have this job that keeps me protected from many of those things. Other people don't have that. I'm sorry to go. I'm sorry to keep going on and on. But this is how you and I talk. And this is how we continue to talk. And I think that every person out there, listen, if you're black and you don't have a white friend, get one and tell him what's on your mind. And if you are white and you don't have a black friend, then get one and let him tell you what is on or her what is on her, their mind. Because that is the only way we're going to solve this. It is not upon it is not incumbent upon black people to stop racism. To stop this, it is incumbent upon people who hold the power in this society to help to do that, to do the heavy lifting. And guess who that is? Who is that, Chris? White people. I don't talk much, but when I do, I make it count. I think that the protests make sense. Uh, I don't think you can process the anger without them. Now, you start committing crimes, and it's a riot. That's not protest. That's not that. That's I get what you're saying. It's a I'm different saying... issue, but at the same time, you know, I remember what Dr. King said about this, and I understand that it's not easy to keep emotions in check when nobody seems to be keeping them in check uh, when you are the victim. I get it. What, what hurts most, I think, in this particular fact pattern, other than the duration, is why the hell were the other cops standing there doing nothing? Nobody is trained to put a knee on a throat that because that it's not about training it's not about police training it's about the way we have been trained in society to react to those things it is okay now imagine if that was an 18 19 20 year old white kid on the ground mm -hmm. do you think those officers would be doing the same thing or reacting the same way that's the troubling question that's the meme that's going around that, right now with the cops with the black kid on the ground saying hello to the white guy in camo with the AK47 and the mask who was protesting in Michigan that when it's white people with guns and they're out and they're angry and their faces with cops. Didn't see any of that. Everybody's civil. Didn't um, see any of that. But the flag burning, spitting in police officers' faces, yelling, yelling at police officers armed, armed with heavy weaponry. Didn't see any of that. Did you see anybody with their foot on anybody's no, neck? I mean, you know, you've heard of people make, make it a joke, but it's, it's funny because it's, it's tragic and sad. If black people said, let's all go out and get guns and start the protest, that would be the fastest change of gun law culture in this country. Yeah. If you started to have African-Americans buying up AR-15s or whatever you want to call them and going out and protesting legally with legal weapons, you'd see a change in the laws. Yeah. And that's sad. Yeah. And if you see a, a black man who has this platform, a television show, 
who has the gall enough to tell you how it is, guess how many people are going to call him racist and a race baiter? Who cares? Check out my social media feed and see what happens. Who cares? But you exactly. say what's true and you say what's real. And look, you, <laughs> you're not exactly getting it from the second source. You lived it. Yeah, I don't care. Go for it. I really don't care. You can save it or you can put it out there. I do not care. I am I I am so frustrated. Listen, I am not even I have I've got, to, I've got to talk about the the big story as well that's happening in Jadol. Now for the Attorney General, I watched. I know she has a tough job, but guess what? And I'm just as long as we're being honest with it right now, nobody wants to hear from the White House or the Attorney General right now. No one wants to hear from the man who wanted the death penalty to come back from the Central Park Five. No one wanted to, wants to hear from the man who says that the former president was not born in this country. No one wants to hear from the man who says there are very fine people on both sides. Do you understand what I'm saying? No one wants to hear from the person that they perceive as contributing to this situation, situations like this in the society. Not directly, but allowing people like that to think that they can get away from this. No one wants to hear from the birther in chief, from the sons of bitches calling person who says that athletes who are kneeling for this very reason. No one wants to hear from that. The justice system should work for everyone. The President of the United States, the Attorney General of the United States, should have the same system in place for everyone. That should be a given. You should not have to announce that at a press conference. And no one wants to hear that. Unless you're going to come out and say, I understand how African Americans feel in this country. I understand the mistakes that I have made with African Americans in this country. I understand that there is an election coming, but I don't just want your vote. I want you to understand that I know where you're coming from. We don't want to hear that. And that is the God's honest truth. So that was a misstep on her part. To come out and say, I want this to be investigated to the fullest extent of the law. We don't want to make any mistakes. Amen, sister. Amen, brother. But we don't want to hear all of that. Why don't you have the same urgency that you have for all of these people who are out there, who most of them protesting, but there are some who are out there who are, who are actually ravaging and pillaging, or, or, or at least uh, burning down stores. I don't know if it's by accident or what, or who are going in and raiding stores or what have you. Okay, fine. That should not happen. But what about the urgency for telling those people to calm down and we need peace? That same urgency when it comes to people who are being abused by the system, who are being abused by police officers, who are experiencing racism in this country and people are denying it. Where is that urgency? So I understand the anger of the people who are protesting, who are upset in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Minnesota. I don't, I am not condoning their actions. I don't understand the actions, but I do understand their anger when you feel you have nothing else. When you don't have a platform like a Don Lemon or a Wolf Blitzer or Laura Coates or anyone to protest, then what do you do? You act out in the way that you act out. Those people are upset. They are sick of it. And I would imagine people around the country are sick of it as well. Have that same urgency when you're telling people to calm down and don't be violent and don't go out and loot, store, loot stores for racism and bigotry. Take the mask off. Yeah, he got put in timeout. But as they talk about all this shit, they forget that they're the people stoking it up. All right, They're the ones that spend their whole time saying that America is about not to be America, Trump's America, everybody's racist. 
Every single person is racist. But here's just two soundbites. They're using this because we're going to get to the part where they get blown the fuck up and they get arrested. But they're using it as a soundbite. They did a bumper again. One of their bumpers last night was coronavirus. We're going to do this with facts. We're going to do this with this. We're going to do this with that. We're not going to blame other people and we're not going to tweet. It's just an anti-Trump CNN facts first. And within a day, because it happened yesterday morning, they rolled out a bumper for their network of being arrested, and they're going to be there for you in the riots. And during that day, violence happens. It's just like the Tea Party. Let's listen to see which Tea Party they're talking about. Do you mind telling me why I'm under arrest, sir? We have got to ensure that there is a safe spot for journalism to tell the story because it is a key component of how we fix this. We're seeing rocks being thrown and that being met with tear gas. This is a much different scene than what we saw last night. The tensions go up. It is increasingly worrisome. Do you mind telling me why I'm under arrest, sir? CNN Special Report, Sunday at 8. Just to be very clear, CNN is here to tell the story. Uh, that's what we do. Uh, CNN is not being victimized, all right? People are attacking the building. They're attacking a lot of things that are going on. This isn't about us. It's about our ability to tell the story. That's not going to change. Um, there are different situations, different dynamics in different cities. This is Atlanta. We showed you Minneapolis. It is reverberating in different spots around the country because what happened with George Floyd is not unfamiliar to communities. And let's be honest, it's not unfamiliar to you. I worked in that building in Atlanta for seven years, and it was surreal to see that happening again. I think you're right. CNN is not the news. Uh, a lot of people are being attacked. A lot of uh, riots going on. A lot of people are um, are losing, you know, the parts of their businesses and, and so what, so and, and so on. But I just think it's interesting to watch. There's a lot of people that I've read over social media who say they understand why people are upset, but they don't agree with taking to the streets. They don't agree with protest. The Boston Tea Party, despite its name, was not a party. It was a protest. It was a riot. What I'm saying is the very foundation of this nation is based upon what's happening right now, which is when there's an injustice and those who are in authority do not hear the people's cries, the cries are emulated in other fashions, and sometimes they are violent. I'm not advocating violence, but I'm just reminding people, particularly white people who may want to characterize this as just angry black people, that this is actually the way that things have gotten done in this country since this. So the news is not about you, but you're making a bumper that's about you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's about you. Everything's about you. And, and you're equating the riots that are happening in the street, destroying public property, just fucking shit up, to the Boston Tea Party. Where they threw some tea in the water. 
They didn't shoot people. They didn't blow things up. They didn't destroy government property. They didn't wait. I don't even have sound bites of the White House got charged. The Secret Service was out in gear. But as I assail CNN, oh, don't worry. The Rev was out too. The question now is how you deal with that outrage to where you get the results you're looking for, which is a fair criminal justice system, and you don't do it by appearing to be criminal yourself. We are not the ones that inflict the pain. We are the ones that have been pained, and our reaction must show that and highlight that. Otherwise, people will exploit that and change the focus into demonizing those that conduct themselves in a violent way rather than those that are saying as the Floyd family is saying we want justice they they said very clearly I've talked to the Floyd family and they've said very clearly and publicly we want to see justice we understand the outrage but we do not want to see violence the other thing I might add here Joe is that as I walked around Minneapolis yesterday with Ms. Carr and some of the ministers and elected officials, some of the stores that are being damaged are black-owned stores. So we cannot yeah. become so reckless that we are destroying each other. Yeah. Okay. I'm heading to Minneapolis with this tweet. They want this. This is what they do. Here's Van Jones. African Americans haven't been this angry in how many years? And the Minneapolis Police Department has been the subject of, of frequent complaints about excessive force. You heard Laura mention some of the more notorious incidents. Uh, Derek uh, Chauvin, the officer who put his knee on Floyd, had 18 complaints against him, uh, only two of which merited disciplinary action. Um, he's been fired, Chauvin. But how do we prevent this from happening again? You talk about how people are 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 exhausted with the concept of, okay, this law will do it or this law will do it. How do we make sure there there are no more incidents like this? Well, I tell you what, um, I don't have a great answer. I'll tell you this: we thought we got an answer. It's called body cams. That if we just put body cams on all these cops and you could see what they were doing, that they would either stop or that the public would be so outraged. These guys knew they had on body cams. There were people standing there with the cell phones out. Uh, Eighteen complaints should trigger a, re a, a separate review. Uh, you know, just because you couldn't get all the way to discipl disciplining the officer, demoting the officer, or firing the officer doesn't mean that the aggregation of those complaints should not trigger a separate review in a well-run department. This is not a well-run department. And unfortunately, there are very few well-run departments. The, the reality we have now is we've got to look in the mirror. In order for that level of contempt for life, to take place in broad daylight with officers and bystanders and nothing be done, that's the tip of a very big iceberg of disrespect, of contempt for human life, and a pattern and a practice from coast to coast where when someone gets out of a car, they're African American, they're that tall, and frankly, I'm a little bit tall myself. They are presumed to be a threat, and everybody knows the script. Whatever you do to subdue that person is going to be considered, quote-unquote, okay. But in this case, he's not running. In this case, he doesn't have a weapon. In this case, he stopped. If he, whatever he did 
two minutes ago, three minutes ago, four minutes ago, five minutes ago, six minutes ago, seven minutes ago. He is begging for his mother and nothing is done. That lets you know that's not so that doesn't happen just out of the clear blue sky. There is you, you built up to that level of contempt. You built up to that level of dehumanization and desensitization. And you're now witnessing the outcome of that, of all these other little incidents that we're gaslit and told as black people didn't really happen. Or, or maybe he could have done this or maybe she could have done that. But why did she say this? All these little things that we get gaslit over until you finally have a culture of contempt for black life at the highest levels. Uh, and, and, and that's what you're seeing. And so this is not going to be fixed only by legislation. There needs to be legislation. But I, but there are a lot of our white friends and allies, I think, are heartbroken, too, in a way that's surprising to them. Because I think that they had hoped that somehow we had been overstating our case. They had hoped that somehow we were exaggerating just a little bit for some kind of advantage for affirmative action or just maybe taking things too harshly. But you don't get to this outcome if you had not, if, if, if without there being a predicate, a predicate of contempt after contempt after contempt not being corrected in that department and in this country. And so I don't have a legal answer. And when I'm telling you, I'm talking to people across the country. They don't want to hear from me anymore. They don't want to hear from any of us anymore because they've heard it from us from over and over and over again and nothing has changed. And so if you are white and you are watching this, look in your own life. How are you choking off black dignity, choking off black opportunity, choking off black people from having an opportunity to thrive? Because it's not just that officer. This is a much deeper problem. How are all of us complicit in this? Uh, and, and how are all of us allowing this to happen? Uh, I don't have an answer today. I have not been this upset. I, I have not seen black people this upset in 20 years, uh, longer. And, 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 and I'm looking forward to hearing this press conference. I don't know what we're going to do. 20 years, huh? This all came out with Obama. Obama called from the podium to protest. He told people to protest. That's all he was good at as a president was to tell people to protest. He told anti-Trump people, don't be silent. He called for peaceful protests after the grand jury. He did the infamous go out in your house coast and slipper. He defended the Black Lives Movement. There's numerous I played on the show. He, I mean, it was so bad under him that articles like this, let me pull it out. This is really just, it's, it is so true. It's so fucking true. Obama is bankrolling a non-stop protest against invented outrage. The irritating, self-absorbed, belligerent brats will hands up, don't shoot themselves into every cobweb corner of society. All he did was tell people to protest. That was his presidency. That's how he got the aggrieved cast to vote for him, because he wasn't doing anything for black people. But for Van Jones to say it is just a farce. You literally said after Trump got elected, black and brown people are scared and angry. Because Hillary Clinton didn't get elected. 
You've said it after every case, but the problem is all these cases are bullshit. And if our society is so fucked up, why in the name of Zeus's ass crack is that fucking professor who had the altercation on his own property with the cops, the beer summit, what he did was wrong. He has a TV show on PBS. We pay for him to get fucking new shows. And what's it about? Everything about America is racist. You spent your whole time telling everybody it's fucking racist, so you have these sheeple white kids that go out and join Antifa and do these protests and believe all the bullshit you're saying. And you get them angry all the time. You had them so angry they're burning shit down on the protests. You had the women's march. All you are is angry, liberals. You're always angry. Even when the system works, you're still angry. And notice, I didn't say black people. Because the average black person is working and slaving to get a fucking living, just like the white poor people that work and slave. And they don't have time to go protest. They lost their job because of the pandemic that you rammed down our neck. And you told us we're all going to die, but it only had a 0.4% murder rate or death rate, and it wasn't even that bad. Because you wanted to use that for politics. But now you're going to use this for politics. Back to Zach in Tennessee. Fuck, it's a switch. You're on racist mode. I've heard nobody say, hey, none of these people are masks. They're going to spread the virus. That's all you said for lockdown virus, uh, lockdown protests. And then you spend the rest of the time demonizing and getting people angry and scared and not trusting in the government, unless it's a Democrat, and then you back it the fuck off. So for our first bump, here's your homework. CNN King, you've been doing this since day one. He's to blame for the 100,000 death. Then you have your little fucking shitty activist. We've got a good soundbite because we're not doing other subjects today. Uh, the press secretary, Bastian Acosta. And two soundbites on protests from Tucker. Which the majority of black people, the majority of white people, the majority of people look at all of this the way Tucker's talking. It's not a protest. It's fucking anarchy. Uh, Yes, and and, and it's a horrible moment, and it's a moment for which there is no playbook. Again, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, whether you're a traditional politician or an unorthodox politician Mm -hmm. like President Trump, there's no playbook for it. And yet, part of the the issue here is he's a few months from his own re-election. He wants Mm -hmm. to be re-elected for four more years. 100,000 is a devastating piece of the Trump legacy. That's not assigning blame. That's just history. It will be part. It happened on his watch. And one of the issues is he has been wildly inconsistent when discussing deaths. Listen is a very good chance you're not going to die. The risk to the American people remains very low. We have 32 deaths at this point. It's pretty amazing when you think of it. There's a very low incidence of death. We're looking to have far fewer deaths than originally thought. But we'll be under the number of 100,000. We'll be at about a 60,000 mark. We want people dying in this country, and uh, we've done a great job. We would have had anywhere from... 10 to 20 or 25 times the number of deaths if we didn't act the way we did. 
Well, one interesting thing, Dana, is with that history is his, his likely rival, Joe Biden, the presumptive Democratic nominee, a candidate you interviewed just the other day, uh, put his own statement out saying this. I'm so sorry for your loss. I know there's nothing I or anyone else can say or do to dull the sharpness of the pain you feel right now. But I can promise you from experience, the day will come when the memory of your loved one will bring a smile to your lips before it brings a tear to your eyes. You mentioned the emoting, the criticism that the president, the current president, uh, sometimes seems to lack empathy. Uh, this is, like it or not, uh, part of the election campaign. Uh, who mm-hmm. do you trust? Who would you trust to, to take? Who do you trust more uh, to deal with coronavirus? And on Twitter, shouldn't the president be fact-checked, especially this president who has made so many false and misleading statements that he has put, you know, fact-checkers to work across the world. I mean, he's uttered some 18,000 false or misleading statements, according to the Washington Post. Uh, if there's any president out there who should be fact-checked, any political leader out there should be fact-checked, isn't it President Trump? And aren't you trying to silence fact-checking by going after Twitter like this? Look, well, first I would say I disagree with um all, if not almost all, of those assertions that you're making there, because, look, if you're going to get into the fact-checking business, there's no one that should be fact-checked more than the mainstream media that has been continually wrong about a number of things. To give you a list of some of the most egregious ones, um, that ABC News in December of 2017 falsely reported that Flynn would testify that the president directed him during the campaign to make contact with the Russians. That was false. In 2017, your network seen CNN botched their WikiLeaks email exclusive and were forced to make on-air corrections. CNN's Jim Shudo, another CNN one, uh, dropped a fictional bombshell in 2018, July, claiming that Michael Cohen would tell federal investigators that the president knew of the Trump Tower meeting. And there are many more, not to just put the onus on CNN there. So if anyone needs to be fact-checked, I think it should be the media. There are news outlets that make mistakes from time to time. We own up to those mistakes. We correct those mistakes. Not always. I have many you guys haven't owned up to. I think it's We do on a a regular basis. The president never owns up to any of his false or misleading statements or outright lies. Uh, You have pledged in this briefing room to never lie to the American people. Are you saying that the president of the United States has never lied to the public before? I'm around the president. His intent is always to give truthful information to the American people. And you mentioned that the media apologizes for their mistruths. I mean, I'm sitting here looking at other headlines in the New York Times saying there aren't enough ventilators to cope with the coronavirus. In fact, we had an excess of ventilators we've shipped around the world. Washington Post, U.S. health system is showing why it's not ready for a coronavirus pandemic. Writing is a form of tyranny. The strong and the violent oppress the weak and the unarmed. It is oppression. CNN welcomes it, however, in fact, encourages it. On CNN, the the rioters became protesters. America is a diverse country. Diverse countries only survive if the groups within them can coexist peacefully. And thankfully, almost everybody in America wants to coexist peacefully. But news organizations like CNN do not want that. And that's why every day they work hard to fan racial resentment, to make different groups distrust and hate one another. Of course. There's a context to setting fire to McDonald's, says Professor Gloud. It's interesting. So you've got to wonder, how would Eddie Gloud Jr. respond if something like this happened to him? If looters descended on his house, would Gloud gently describe them as protesters as they made off with his Hermes necktie collection? If thugs with bandanas on their faces smashed the windshield of his BMW with rocks, would Eddie Gloud call the police or would calling the police be racist? 
Just how long, in other words, could Eddie Gloud maintain his fraudulent racial justice shtick in the face of the kind of violence that he routinely excuses on television? Things are falling apart in Minneapolis. And as they collapse, our leadership class seems thrilled. They're doing nothing to calm racial division. In fact, they're eagerly stoking it. The New York Times ran a piece just this morning with the title, How White Women Use Themselves as Instruments of Terror. The subhead read this way, quote, There are too many noosed necks, charred bodies, and drowned souls for them to deny knowing precisely what they are doing. Wait a second. Them? What they are doing? Keep in mind, this didn't run in Louis Farrakhan's Free Weekly. This was the New York Times, this country's most important newspaper, the high temple of American liberalism. The New York Times is telling you that every single person of a certain color and sex has a hand in genocide. They are stained by blood guilt. They are murderers, every one of them. What do you do to murderers? You know the answer. It's hard to believe our leaders are actually talking like this, but they are a lot and loudly. And if they keep it up, remarkable scenes of violence and destruction and chaos from across the country tonight. We're going to spend much of the hour keeping you abreast of what's happening. But before we dive into that, we want to focus on one single thing that happened last night. A police station in a major American city was occupied and looted and burned. Most of us assumed we would never live to see something like that happen here, but it did happen. So the question is, has anyone been arrested for doing that? Will anyone ever be arrested? No one in authority seems especially interested in apprehending the people who did it. All of it happened on camera, but the perpetrators just walked away. And it's possible, maybe likely, that most of them will never be punished for it. That's striking. It's a very different experience from the ones most Americans have living here. As Minneapolis burns and crowds grow in the streets of Atlanta and many other cities, the rest of us are continuing on as we always do, dutifully following the rules. There are many of those. Every year there seems to be countless new rules to follow. They multiply like insects. We do our best to keep up. We get our permits, apply for our licenses, put on our reading glasses and check the latest regulations on the Internet. We wear our little masks. We keep our dogs on leashes. We drive sober. We don't eat on the subway. We never litter. We make orderly lines and patiently wait our turn. In airports and government buildings, we remove our shoes and submit to body searches from strangers. We lose our dignity every time we do this, but they tell us we must, so we accept it without complaint. In public, we hide what we really think. We bury our natural instincts. We keep our deepest beliefs to ourselves. We know the boundaries. We understand we will be punished for telling the truth. This is the America the rest of us live in. For the privilege of citizenship in a country like this... We work as hard as we can. We never stop sharing what we earn with others. We send money we would rather give to our own children to politicians in faraway cities. With that money, they make new rules. We follow those rules to the letter. That's what we were told to do as children. That's the deal we've struck. At least we thought it was. Now we know that other people have somehow negotiated a far better deal than the one we have. They get to ignore the rules. They don't believe in order or fairness. They reject society itself. Reason and process and precedent mean nothing to them. They use violence to get what they want immediately. People like this don't bother to work. They don't volunteer or pay taxes to help other people. They live for themselves. They do exactly what they feel like doing. They say exactly what they feel like saying. They spray paint their opinions on buildings. 
On television, hour by hour, we watch these people, criminal mobs, destroy what the rest of us have built. They have no right to do that. They don't contribute to the common good. They never have. Yet suddenly they seem to have all the power. This is hardly the first time something like this has happened in America. Spasms of destructive violence are a recurring feature of our history, in fact, of every country's history. The ideologues will tell you that the problem is race relations or capitalism or police brutality or global warming, but only on the surface. The real cause is deeper than that, and it's far darker. What you're watching is the ancient battle between those who have a stake in society and would like to preserve it and those who don't and seek to destroy it. Underneath it all, this violence doesn't have that much to do with the behavior of the Minneapolis Police Department. For evidence, watch this tape. It's from the 1992 riots in Los Angeles. It was shot almost 30 years ago. It could have been shot this afternoon. That's not right! That's not right! That's not right what y'all doing! I came from the ghetto too! Same as all of you did! Why destroy my business? Why destroy my truck? The first thing you notice about that video, in addition to how overwhelmingly sad it is, is that it's not a racial dispute. The elderly man could be the grandfather of the young rioters swarming around him. But that's misleading. They are nothing at all alike. The old man is fighting to defend civilization. He's armed only with a hammer, but he's trying. The young men are working to tear it down. And those are the battle lines. They always are. Which side in that war have our leaders taken? Well, watch carefully and it will become obvious. The rioters in Minneapolis and in other places act as if they're allowed to loot and burn. And in fact, they are allowed. No one stops them. The authorities don't arrest them. Instead, they pander to them, flatter them, desperately try to win their love. Why are masked lunatics setting fire to Wendy's? because the rest of us are sinful. That's what our leaders tell us. The crimes of the mob are the punishment we deserve. That's their argument. And many seem to buy it. On a White House executive staff call just this morning, key domestic policy advisors, Brooke Rollins and Jerron Smith, argued that it might seem racist to say anything about the rioting in Minneapolis. Better just to let it happen. So that's what they're doing. We should have seen this coming. When you express an opinion our leaders don't like, they call it violence. When criminals commit actual acts of violence, they call it speech. So the game is rigged. Why are the rest of us still playing it? We have more power than we think we do. Our system only functions because dutiful, normal people, people with self-control and decency and, above all, a sense of responsibility toward others, created our system. They sustain the system. They pay the bills. None of the thugs looting Target or the well-paid nihilists on television who are egging them on have added a thing. Nothing. Yet all of the destroyers expect that this arrangement will last forever. And you can see why, because for them, it's been a very good deal. But what exactly are you getting in return for your contributions to the system? The authorities clearly don't care about you. The police won't show up to save your life, literally. During election years, sweaty politicians claim to be on your side. It's a lie. They're not. They'll waste your time with hollow posturing. 
They'll feed you pointless, symbolic victories and expect you to celebrate like you've actually won something. But when the mob comes, they're gone. You're on your own. That's true. Those are the facts. We can't change them. All we can control is our own behavior. Should you keep playing along with all of that? Ponder that the next time they demand you get a permit to put a deck on your own house. And think about it even harder the next time you write a tax check. Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. Move aside and let the man go through. Let the man go through. Move aside and let the man go through. Let the man go through. We're going to see the president resort to his typical techniques uh, of, of sowing this kind of chaos and division, as you mentioned, using the word thugs, uh, you know, calling out these protesters. And by the way, the president's been late on this situation all week long, late to react to the video of what happened in Minneapolis, late to react to the protests and the and the unrest. You know, we, we are far past the point where the president should be weighing in for the first time on these matters. Uh, clearly, the situation's out of control in parts of Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Uh, the city of Minneapolis is doing a very bad job communicating with its own residents right now. Uh, of course, under the cover of darkness, we don't know everything that's happening, but it is clear there are fires uh, and looted stores and broken windows and other disturbances in multiple neighborhoods of Minneapolis right now. We'll have to wait until sunrise to get the full picture. Amid all of this, you have to wonder, if you live in Minneapolis right now, do you feel any better seeing the President of the United States talk the way he's talking on Twitter? I'm going to wager no, Michael, but let's see what the residents of Minneapolis say in the morning. And how can I not do the trifecta? Because that's, you know, Seltzer, he's got a fucking virtue signal. But it's all wrong. Your inference is it's Trump that's inciting violence? Really? That's what you're going with. It's Trump. Not your network. Brian Bond, uh, Dan Bondingo. Brian Seltzer wakes up in the morning wondering how he can make the world worse. He lies incessantly in order to please the CNN bosses. He's been caught in lies, both big and small. Nothing he says here is true. He's only saying it to aggravate the situation. Gutfield. To be this blindly stupid to think citizens of Minneapolis are more disturbed by Trump tweets than their own city destroyed by rioters. Thought like this are convenient, far from destruction. Their network, it just happens. Shit happens. Julio, Julio Rosas. Signs hoping to save some of the black businesses. They were everywhere. Just overheard an officer point out something with a hammer. I'm really afraid people will get hurt today. This has that ugly, chaotic feeling. These police cars are continually getting damaged. It's only a barrier between police and a very angry crowd. On the ground in Minneapolis for townhall.com and surveyed the damage from last night's riots and aftermath of George Floyd. This is the day before yesterday. This is what it looks like to enter a now-looted target Minneapolis. is completely trashed with garbage covering the floor and water on the ground from speaker system being turned on. Plenty of people are still looting. Or those asking where the police are, they're across the street protecting the 3rd Precinct Police Building from a large crowd that's right outside. 
This target is just trashed. My Gore-Tex boots are paying off. Looted tobacco store near the 3rd Precinct building is also destroyed. A restaurant that were minority-owned. Trash. Looks like it's untouched. This black business. People chanting, Fuck the police. A man telling the crowd to try to remain peaceful outside the police building. He also said, while they appreciate white people's support and showing a solidarity, this is not your space. People are now just screaming at the cops. Protesters take over and set fire to Minneapolis police precinct over George Floyd death. Protesters reportedly took control of the Minneapolis Police Department third precinct. There's been three precincts damaged. <clears throat> They have lost all control of the city, an independent media reporter noted. At 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 p.m. in Minneapolis, multiple fires were set to have set, been set inside the Midwestern City Police Building after it was overrun by coalition of intergenerational and multiracial protesters. It's so important to the media to do a census of protesters. Fire crews reportedly not responding. The precinct is questioned formally employed the four MPD officers. None as of the Thursday night have been charged, blah, blah, blah. NBC News shows that three MPD officers, whatever, the past week, various videos. Now they have eight different videos they're playing, and they played them again last night just trying to incite violence. <clears throat> Tweets from Unicorn Riot. Police seem to have partially retreated, protesters breaching the perimeter barrier and knocking down spy cams. MPD has maybe abandoned the third precinct. People just broke in and fires began. It's just fucking out of control. This is how it sounds. Simultaneously, there's another protest over the Breon Taylor case. Media never covered this whatsoever because it breaks up the narrative, which is peaceful protest. Seven shot at Louisville protest over fatal police shooting. At least some people shot in Louisville as hundreds of protesters converged on City Hall demanding justice for Breon Taylor, a black woman who was fatally shot. This is the Sean King article where only conservatives have done anything. Uh, Louisville Metro Police said early Friday that at least one person was in critical condition. No officer discharged or service weapon. They had to say that about a million times. I feel the community frustration, the anger, the fear, but tonight's violence and destruction is not the way to solve it, and they went at it again last night, and we're tearing fucking shit up. But they're, 
There are people trying to de-escalate things. Little Wayne. Pretty much what I said. Stop blaming entire police force, entire race. There are a bunch of facts we think we know that we don't know. The cops just didn't walk up and fuck this dude up. Everybody yesterday, I just kept saying the same thing. Watch live PD. For the love of God, watch live PD. If you act a fool, they're going to put hands on you. It's their right. And then you have Killer Mike. He actually said something that was against the race hustle. In this city, officers have done horrendous things and they have been prosecuted. This city's cut different. In this city, you can find over 50 restaurants owned by black women. I didn't say minority and I didn't say women of color. So after you burn down your own home, what do you have left but char and ash? CNN, Ted did a great thing. I love CNN, I love Cartoon Network, but I'd like to say to CNN right now, karma's a mother. Stop feeding fear and anger every day. Stop making people feel so fearful, give them hope. I'm glad they only took down a sign and defaced a building and they're not killing human beings like that policeman did. I'm glad that they only destroyed some brick and mortar and they didn't rip a father from a son. They didn't rip a, fa- a son from a mother like the policeman did. When a man yells for his mother in duress and pain and she's dead, he is essentially yelling, please, God, don't let it happen to me. And we watch that. So my question for us on the other side of this camera is after it burns, will we be left with charred or will we rise like a phoenix out of the ashes that Atlanta has always done? Will we use this as a moment to say that we will not do what other cities have done and in fact we will get better than we've been? We got good enough to destroy cash bonds. You don't have to worry about going to jail for some petty. We got smart enough to decriminalize marijuana. How smart are we going to be in the next 15 or 20 years to keep us ahead of this curve? So that much like when South Africa suffered apartheid, you had Andy and other politicians that could make sure that Atlanta said, Coca-Cola, we love you. But if you don't pull out of South Africa, we're going to leave. We're not going to drink Coca-Cola anymore. Coca-Cola jumped on their side and apartheid ended. So we have an opportunity now because I'm mad. I don't have any good advice. But what I can tell you is that if you sit in your homes tonight, instead of burning your home to the ground. You will have time to properly plot, plan, strategize, and organize, and mobilize in an effective way. And two of the most effective ways is first taking your butt to the computer and making sure you fill out your census so that people know who... I am a mother. I am a mother to four black children in America one of whom is 18 years old. And when I saw the murder of George Floyd, I hurt like a mother would hurt. And on yesterday when I heard there were rumors about violent protests in Atlanta, I did what a mother would do. I called my son and I said, where are you? I said, I cannot protect you and black boys shouldn't be out today. So you're not going to out-concern me and out-care 
about where we are in America. I wear this each and every day, and I pray over my children each and every day. So what I see happening on the streets of Atlanta is not Atlanta. This is not a protest. This is not in the spirit of Martin Luther King Jr. This is chaos. A protest has purpose. When Dr. King was assassinated, we didn't do this to our city. So if you love this city, this city that has had a legacy of black mayors and black police chiefs and people who care about this city, where more than 50% of the business owners in Metro Atlanta are minority business owners. If you care about this city, then go home and pray that somebody like Reverend Beasley will come and talk to you and give you some instructions on what a protest should look like and how you effectuate change in America. This police chief made a video on yesterday, pull it up on YouTube, where she said she was appalled to watch the murder of George Floyd. This woman did that. You're not honoring the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. and the civil rights movement. You're not protesting anything running out with brown liquor in your hands, breaking windows in this city. T.I. and Killer Mike own half the west side. So when you burn down this city, you're burning down our community. If you want change in America, go and register to vote. Show up at the polls on June 9th. Do it in November. That is the change we need in this country. You are disgracing our city. You are disgracing the life of George Floyd and every other person who has been killed in this country. We are better than this. We're better than this as a city. We are better than this as a country. Go home. Go home. In the same way I couldn't protect my son on yesterday, I cannot protect you out in those streets. You're throwing knives at our police officers. You are burning cars. You have defaced the CNN building. Ted Turner started CNN in Atlanta 40 years ago because he believed in who we are as a city. There was a black reporter who was arrested on camera this morning who works for CNN. They are telling our stories. And you are disgracing their building. This is not the legacy of civil rights in America. This is chaos and we're buying into it. This won't change anything. We're no longer talking about the murder of an innocent man. We're talking about how you're burning police cars on the streets of Atlanta, Georgia. Go home. I threw in the mayor of Atlanta 
Because they're both right. What are you accomplishing by doing this? That's why I know this is more than just peaceful protesting. It's Anathaw. It's BLM with violent intentions. Anarchy. George Soros funded. What was the Lincoln Project doing during all this? Well, here, they're attacking Mitch McConnell. After 35 years, Kentuckians are still waiting for the kind of opportunity Mitch Rich Mitch has worked so hard to give himself. This ad is on TV and digital media in Senate Majority Leader's home state today. Pitch it now to help. None of this is true. What will history say about Mitch McConnell? Well, he spent most of his time making deals for himself, not so much for Kentucky. Mitch didn't have money when he went to Washington 35 years ago. Today, he's one of the richest guys up there. <laughs> Rich Mitch has a nice ring to it. So what did Kentucky get in the bargain? Well, we're 40th in job opportunity, 45th in education, 43rd in health care. Get in the picture? After 35 years, Kentuckians are still waiting for the kinds of opportunities Mitch worked so hard to give himself. With another six years of Mitch McConnell, from the holler to the horse farm, we'll still be waiting. And Mitch, he'll just be richer. So what will history say about Mitch McConnell? The same thing many Kentuckians say now. Not a damn thing. This was so patently false, false. Post-politics, fact-checker, grime, attack of McConnell, wealth and vote, fall shorts. PolitiFact. Sorry, I had a page freeze. What are you doing? Yep, sorry. McConnell's wealth came from inheritance. Grimes got mostly false. RBE. If you consider yourself a conservative activist of any stripe and don't denounce Rick Wilson's group attacking Mitch McConnell, you're a fraud, period. Everything they put out's a fraud. It's just like root, which I put in the back this time. Just don't forget that black pain isn't all we have. I don't even know what they were hitting for this piece. We're great, but you people suck. White people nationwide mourn the senseless murder of Minneapolis Target store. It's satire. Jezebel, this is what you get. This is written by a white liberal. In August 2016, a small riot broke out following the death of Sylvie K. Smith, a black man shot and killed by Milwaukee police. An auto parts store was aflame while CBS reporter interviewed the victim's brother. We're losing loved ones every day. The police have sworn to protect us. It's not us. It's the police. This is the madness that they spark up. This is what they encourage. This is why what they provoke. This is what you get. Almost four years later, pockets of Minneapolis, Minnesota are smoldering after two nights of protests against city police. Many stores are a mess, blah, blah, blah. But a family is enjoying a new instant pot. A child gets to play with a new set of toys. And a household has a new vacuum cleaner thanks to the afternoon spent looting Target. A scenario which, for some, which is far more horrifying than the event that sparked its chaos in the first place. The death of a black man in the hands of a white police officer. I'm going to go through and just skim. They're just reciting it. Because, yeah, that's what everybody's scared of. Target. Got it. 
but there are calls for arrest by Floyd family. The mayor of Minneapolis, the congresswoman Ilian Omar, Omar, none believing a pink slip is sufficient punishment. And in the absence of justice, with carceral pun- punishment cannot fully alleviate, protests emerge. Hundreds took to the street, creating a multiracial, multigenerational sea of righteousness rage. The pattern is easy enough to follow. Police officers alleged to have killed an unarmed black person. A viral video emerged. Protesters assemble and police respond to peaceful protest with suffocating tear gas and rubber bullets. Yeah, exactly what happens. It's not them throwing shit at them. One of the videos I fucking played in New York, a motherfucker threw a garbage can up in the air 30 feet and hit a cop. And oh, by the way, Klobuchar could have got this guy fired, but she chose not to. And everything this person's saying, it's a liberal state. It's a liberal police chief. It's mostly African-American police force. It's a liberal mayor, a liberal governor, a liberal liberal. These aren't conservative run. These are yours. But by then, all bets are off, and so begins a fire, so-called looting while America moral arbiters play judge and jury. While these critics include a timid liberals who worry about optics of protests above all else, the lattice naysayers are right-wing scourges like Tucker Carlson who says the riots are worse than police brutality. Charlie Kirk, if you loot, riot, and destroy, you lose moral credibility in the eyes to protest justice. He's dead on! The mayor of fucking Atlanta said it! You could be no more black! Property is in... Animate. It doesn't breathe. It doesn't have hopes, dreams, or mouths to feed. These are properties we cherish. Our homes are places of worship, buildings of historical and cultural significance. A Target is not one of those places. Neither is Arby's, Wendy's, Aldi's, and AutoZone. Or an empty construction site. It's safe to say that the aforementioned establishments are better insured than many Americans. Oh, so it's okay. I can just destroy their shit because they got insurance. Well, people work their dickweed. Now they don't have a fucking job. Target employs probably a hundred motherfuckers who are now unemployed. Thank you. They were essential workers. They kept their jobs. They got through this pandemic and then you ruined their life. You fucking ruined their fucking lives. But that's okay because probably some white people work there. So you don't give a fuck. But just as destroyed CVS become a symbol of unruliness of protesters following the 2015 Freddie Gray, so too is Minneapolis Target store that provided protesters the sliver of catharsis in the face of an uncaring police force and uncaring society. That society is made up of Democrats, you dickweed. You're not going to say that, though. I guarantee you they're Republican. I guarantee you they're conservative. Oh, my fucking God. We'd be Flint watering all over again. They blame Trump for Flint water and everybody involved in it was a Democrat. Far too Americans, and it's easier to mourn the destruction of a series chain store owned and operated by a millionaire than the death of a black of American. Hey, hey, wizard, little liberal who wrote this, white kid, I don't shop at Target. Burn it down. I don't give a fuck. This moral equivalence that people care about as Target? No! It became a symbol of what does looting and burning down a Target have to do with social justice? What? A stolen lamp is worthy of kind of empathy that a black person could dream of. This outburst didn't happen in a vacuum since 2015. They're all horrible. Everybody's terrible. And it goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. 
Then CNN goes back to, it's about me. CNN crew has been arrested while covering Minneapolis. The CNN crew was arrested on police Friday morning while giving a live television report in Minneapolis where the crew was covering ongoing protests. The crew included Omar Jimenez, who's a Latina, who was playing this to the hilt. They brought on every show and interviewed, well, how are you feeling? I was feeling that... Well, my mom was really worried because I went away and she didn't know where I was. And was I going to be another black kid that just went away and nobody knows what happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that probably happened back in the fucking 60s. Doesn't happen now. They were handcuffed and detained as Jimenez gave a live report on Minneapolis Street shortly after 5 a.m. Police told the crew they were being detained because they were told to move. They didn't. CNN crew relayed to the network. Officers approached the crew. They moved to arrest protesters. They were detained, not arrested. This whole article's wrong, but it's written by CNN. An officer gripped his arm. He was talked, and he put him in handcuffs. We can move back to where you like. We are li- live on air, but put us back where you want us. Now, fuck it. Here's a goddamn soundbite. It was an all-day fucking thing. I'll even throw in Bakari Sellers. Because he talks, uh, Jesus Christ. It's to try to secure this area to ensure that people don't come back, Allison. Uh, Josh, stand by there uh, for a moment, if you will. I want to quickly go back to Omar, because what I want to make sure is not lost in this, as we're seeing these remarkable pictures with this law enforcement presence directly behind you, is the why. Why people have been out on the streets protesting. Why this violence is taking place. There is some action behind you. Hang on. Yep. We've got one person uh, being arrested here. We've, we've got... We're, the media? Yep, we're good. Yep. Hold on. I got you, I got you. Hold on, hold on. They, they had us here. They had us here. We're speaking with State Patrol right now. Give us a second, guys. We can move back to where you'd like. We can move back to where you'd like here. We are live on the air at the moment. This is the four of us. We are one team. Just put us put us back where you want us. We are getting out of your way, so just let us know. Wherever you'd want us, we will we will go. We are just getting out of your way when you're advancing through the intersection. So just let us know, and we, and we got you. And uh, this is a scene here playing out in Minneapolis. This is part of the advanced police presence that we saw come over the course of, of really minutes when the local police showed up at the fire department, or with the fire department, I should say, on that building we showed you that was burning. This is among the state patrol unit that was advancing up the street, saying and scattering the protesters at that point for people to clear the area. And so we walked away. I'm sorry? You're under arrest. Okay. Do you mind telling me why I'm under arrest, sir? Why why am I under arrest, sir? Officer, we're with CNN and he's on the air right now. Okay. We're arresting him live on CNN. We told you before that we are with CNN. If you're just tuning in, you are watching our correspondent, Omar Jimenez, being arrested 
by state police in Minnesota. We're not sure why our correspondent is being arrested. Hang on one second, Allison. Let's listen into what these officers are saying. That is an American television reporter, Omar Jimenez, being led away by police officers. Uh, he clearly identified himself as a reporter. Uh, he was respectfully explaining to the state police that our CNN team was there and moving away as they would request. And then for some reason, he was just taken in to police custody live on television. Uh, I'm sorry, I did not mean to interrupt you, Allison. I just wanted to hear, uh, listen to see if we could hear more from the officers, the state police, as this is going on. Yeah. Uh, we're trying to see what's going to happen, John, obviously, to the rest. Uh, I'm about to, guys. Uh, we were just out here reporting um, the closure of the streets. They just, uh, Omar was just arrested. Uh, I believe they're about to... Um, we're all about to be arrested. That's uh, our producer. Uh, our CNN producer I'm, is I'm being... I'm probably going to be taken in a minute. Our I, CNN camera crew and our producer are being arrested right now on live television in handcuffs. I've never seen anything like this. Why, guys, why, what is, Allison. Why are, why are you arresting us? I mean, we're just passing along the message, your message. I'm done. Well, you know, we're just out here doing our job as well as you are. We can do that. Can you tell me what? What are? We under arrest. Okay. Under I'm being arrested now. Yeah. I gotta put. Can I put the camera down? If you're just tuning in, this is our camera crew, our CNN camera crew, being arrested by the Minneapolis State Police, we believe. The camera is now on the ground because our cameraman has been handcuffed. Uh, our correspondent, Omar Jimenez, was also led away in handcuffs, as was his producer. Um, they were standing where they were told to stand. Previously, by police, they were out of the way. We don't know why they're being arrested. They're not being given any explanation, as far as we can hear, for why they're being arrested. Uh, we don't know why they're being handcuffed and led away. They are allowed to be reporting on the unrest that's happening uh, right now, but for some reason, the state police have decided that they need to be under arrest. And just to be clear, Al. Right now, give us a second, guys. We can move back to where you'd like. We can move back to where you'd like here. We are live on the air at the moment. This is the four of us. We are one team. Just put us put us back where you want us. We are getting out of your way, so just let us know. Wherever you'd want us, we will we will go. We are just getting out of your way when you're advancing through the intersection. So just let us know, and we, and we got you. And uh, this is a scene here playing out in Minneapolis. This is 
part of the advanced police presence that we saw come over the course of, of really minutes when the local police showed up at the fire department, or with the fire department, I should say, on that building we showed you that was burning. This is among the state patrol unit that was advancing up the street, saying and scattering the protesters at that point for people to clear the area. And so we walked away. I'm sorry? You're under arrest. Okay. Do you mind whoa, whoa, telling whoa, whoa, me whoa. why I'm under arrest, sir? Why, why am I under arrest, sir? Okay. You are arrested in live with CNN. We, we told you before that we are all with CNN. If you're just tuning in, you are watching our correspondent, Omar Jimenez, being arrested by state police in Minnesota. We're not sure why our correspondent is being arrested. Hang he... on one second, Allison. Let's listen into what these officers are saying. That is an American television reporter, Omar Jimenez, being led away by police officers. Uh, he clearly identified himself as a reporter. Uh, he was respectfully explaining to the state police that our CNN team was there and moving away as they would request and then for some reason he was just taken in to police custody live on television uh, I'm sorry I did not mean to interrupt you Allison I just wanted to hear uh, listen to see if we could hear more from the officers the state police as this is going on yeah. Uh, we're trying to see what's going to happen, John, obviously, to the rest. Uh, How about that, guys? Uh, we were just out here reporting um, the closure of the streets. They just, uh, Omar was just arrested. Uh, I believe they're about to, um, they're all about to be arrested. That's uh, our producer. Uh, our CNN producer I'm, is being. I'm probably going to be taken in a minute. Our I, CNN camera crew and our producer are being arrested right now on live closure? television in handcuffs. I've never seen anything like this. Why, guys? Why, what are you, Allison. Why are, you, why are you arresting us? I mean, we're just passing along the message, your message. I'm done. You know, we're just out here doing our job as well as you are. Can you tell me what? What are you under arrest? Okay. I'm being arrested now. I got to put. Can I put the camera down? If you're just tuning in, this is our camera crew, our CNN camera crew, being arrested by the Minneapolis State Police, we believe. The camera is now on the ground because our cameraman has been handcuffed. Uh, our correspondent, Omar Jimenez, was also led away in handcuffs, as was his producer. Um, they were standing where they were told to stand previously by police. They were out of the way. We don't know why they're being arrested. They're not being given any explanation as far as we can hear for why they're being arrested. 
Uh, we don't know why they're being handcuffed and led away. They are allowed to be reporting on the unrest that's happening uh, right now, but for some reason the state police have decided that they need to be under arrest. And just to be clear, Allison, having been in the middle of protests like this, I've never seen anything like this. Uh, I've never seen anything like this. Uh, the camera is being walked away now. I don't know if this camera is still in the hands of, of our photojournalist or whether the police officer, yeah, this is the police carrying our camera right now, frankly not aware that it's still rolling. Um, we have been listening in, and our team there has not been given any explanation for why they have been taken into custody. And I just want to be clear, if you were watching what Omar was saying and listening to his reporting, he was explaining what had happened over the last few hours and how law enforcement was arriving on the scene and how they had dispersed the crowds largely and how for the first time there was order in the scene. Nevertheless, taken into custody, our camera now on the ground, still rolling, still capturing these live images. Um, we're going to keep on listening to this camera. Josh Campbell, who I believe is not yet under arrest. Hang on one second. All right. The police are now saying they're being arrested because they were told to move and didn't. Now, we were on the air the whole time. Lionel, our photographer, uh, who still has communications with us, told us they had been arrested because they were told to move and didn't. If you were watching, you can see our team was very respectful to the law enforcement presence as it moved through the area was quite a scene of what you've just endured for the past hour. Can you tell us what happened? Well, we saw a lot of it play out on TV there. There seemed to be a little bit of confusion as to what was, what was supposed to or what was allowed to happen. Now, as we were reporting, we had been in verbal contact, at least it, it seemed, with some of the police officers saying, all right, where can we be? We had heard, uh, we played some of it as they were giving out commands for people to clear the area. And we saw that as protesters completely cleared out. And that, of course, came after there, there was an hour and a half, or at least where we were standing, where there was no sort of police presence. So as people came down, we saw them walking down the block. And whether we're pressed or not, we wanted to make sure we were out of the way. So we, so we basically stepped onto the corner is where we were. And uh, I I think the moment before uh, the arrest actually happened was we saw at least one one protester or, or at least someone who was not media sort of run past us. And that person was cornered by uh, state patrol was was the was the main uh, unit that, that seemed to be there. And after that person was apprehended, they then turned toward us now and that was the first moment i can say that police had gotten behind us so in a sense we were sort of surrounded uh by state patrolmen and uh and it seemed like minneapolis police officers as well but again it was that moment where all of a sudden someone runs past and they're already on edge based on the absolute destruction that's all around them and that arrest happened just right in front of the minneapolis uh third precinct that of course one of them flames last night. Omar, I'm not sure you know this, um, but our cameras were not only rolling the whole time you were taken into custody, but the cameras continued to roll, frankly, for the entire ride to the precinct. We could see the picture for the whole time. Uh, first of all, let me just also say, Omar, um, what an amazing job you did throughout that. Your composure and your ability to keep your cool is a testament 
to your professionalism, um, which we already knew about by how great of a job you were doing covering the story on the streets there. You Thank and your you. team did a terrific job. Now, what we did not hear, even though we saw the transportation, is from the moment you were led away until the moment you were just released. So can you please tell us what took place while you were in custody? Well, everyone, to their credit, was pretty cordial after that happened. So it seemed I was actually talking to the officer that was leading me away. I was like, hey, man, we're going to be out here for the next few days. What is the guidance of where we should be? If you don't want us that close, where should we be? Because we were under the impression that that was okay. And he said, look, I don't know, man, I'm just following orders. So I don't know who was potentially, you know, giving that order in that particular moment. But as far as the people that were leading me away, they, there was no animosity there. They weren't, they weren't violent with me. Uh, we were having conversation about just how crazy this week has been for every single part of the city. And like I mentioned, a lot of these people are on edge and as we were walking by we saw a person on the edge of sort of the perimeter that they had formed and this wasn't a protester this was just a a, a random it seemed citizen who was saying hey i need to get back into my place over there and where were you when this neighborhood completely got destroyed i mean we saw where they were they were in the middle of what became a, a focal point of of anger passion violence even at times and they were they were forced to retreat and then this morning literally within a matter of minutes we saw all of them swarm back in clearing out these protesters from the city level that's uh we saw the fire department and police department come in and then the state patrol was advancing as we were seeing up that street toward our location now where we were standing basically to my right was where all the protesters were outside or in front of the 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 building that was on fire and then to our left was where they were advancing so we were basically just going to try and step back and let them continue to advance down the street but Again, you, you saw what unfolded there. But as far as what happened in between, again, they were they were pretty cordial. Once we were in, in the trucks as well, they were uh, and we're downtown. Obviously, this is the Hennepin County Public Safety Building here. Um, they, they were all pretty, pretty good with us um, and, and conversation. Gall on national TV to arrest a, a reporter of color while doing his job and following command. But the law enforcement officer who put his knee in the back of the neck of a man and, and choked him for eight minutes is still free to walk around. That is what we're talking about, just the system in America looking like. And, you know, we haven't, yet, we haven't even started talking about the tweets of the president of the United States adding just that much fire uh, to the scenario. And so um, this, is what, this is what Trump's America looks like now. It then became about them. All day it was them them it's about them we're and by the evening you heard oh we're not the victim because by then they got so much criticism that you did make yourself the victim this is all about you poor cnn blah 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 listen you spend your whole time saying you're the victim here's the nets and cnn is in this promoting a guy who called Reagan a Nazi. Also this morning, we are celebrating the life of Larry Kramer, the author and Tony Award-winning playwright of The Normal Heart. Apple CEO Tim Cook says Kramer was an American original who got loud, acted up, and saved many LGBTQ lives. A raucous voice that could not be silenced and will echo for generations to come. 
Kramer is being remembered on social media as a tenacious trailblazer. Elton John writing, we have lost a giant of a man who stood up for gay rights like a warrior. What a way to live. What a monumental life, a consequential figure, Anthony. Yeah. Yeah, Susan Sontag once called him one of America's most valuable troublemakers, Vlad. I love that. All you do is grievous. You push it 24-7. Grievous, grievous, grievous. You make yourself the news. By the evening, and I can't get the article because WAPO, uh, I'm going to save it for another show. But I don't, let me try one more time. Maybe on this other station it will somehow let me do it. Brian Seltzer, when a camera hit the ground, America saw the world through George Floyd's eyes. That's actually an article they shared and wrote. Through the lens of a CNN camera on the ground, a view of American disintegration. Oh, fuck, it's letting me do it. Let me see. Yeah, it's going to let me do it. Here we go. When the camera's rolling, this is Phil Philip Kennicott. You don't see the camera. The illusion is an old Thomas Edison, uh, where the fuck camera's your eye, blah, 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 blah. Of course, it's not true, but the illusion is part of the camera power to amuse us, inform us, and mislead us, and it's essential to both the camera, democratic, and totalitarian powers. At 5.30 a.m. Friday, under a blue-gray dawn sky, choked with smoke and power and frailty of a camera, democratic potential were dramatized in front of the world when a police-arrested CNN reporter, Omar Yemenez, uh... The confrontation, blah, 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 but it was 5.13 with one member of the team. Suddenly, the all-seeing eye was on the ground recording legs, shoes, and concrete. Now the world was askew. Utility wires cut across the frame as a sharp, unnerving angle, and every eye on the planet could see the scene unfolding the same position that George Floyd, the African-American, pinned under the knee of a white Minnesota police officer on Monday, witnessed in the last moment of his 46-year life. The television camera generalized, generally reflects the traditional orientation of screens, horizontal mode, notice that, whatever the fuck. When Orwell distilled his chilling vision of totalitarianism in the single image, he imagined this. If you want a picture of the future, imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever. The last word is critical. Forever. It implies a choice, a small measure of hope. As long as a picture of a boot on a face is intolerable, there is hope for political self-determination, a meaningful public sphere, and democracy when it becomes tolerable, when it's normalized, and visions like the one America witnessed Friday morning are commonplace, then the authoritarian longing latent in every democracy becomes totalitarian reality, and there's no escape from Orwell called the intoxication of brute power. As a CNN crew member were being led away, someone picked up the camera and carried a few hours for setting it down again. The machine was still, was still recording and inadvertently and passively captured another vision common to people around the world. Now it seemed to see the world again transparently on the consciousness that suggested that of a protester from Hong Kong, Cairo, Venezuela, Europe. A generation ago, people gathered to throw off the shackles of corrupt regimes. Its eye bounced along above the pavement and connected to a body that was offering no resistance. That was being carried off limp and compliant by armed thugs in state uniforms. And then it just laid on the ground, seemingly broken and spent, but still conscious, still looking at the boots of cops a few feet away. 
No news organization is perfect, and volumes can be written about how CNN has turned news into theater, how the narcissism of celebrity degrades its coverage, and how it substitutes the argument of self-aggrandizing ideologues for genuine discord. But Yemen and his crew were working journalists and identified themselves as much, and nothing caught on the camera in those six or seven shocking minutes suggests that he was acting in any way counter to journalistic norms. He was, as one of his crew set off camera, just doing his job. Then he excuse me, that he, a journalist of color, was arrested by cops whose pale arms suggest that many were white and that CNN, which has been a consistent object of Trump, there you go, he got it in there, Perel and corrosive abusive was a target raised deeply disturbing questions among them how many police in America are loyal not to public to a racist brand of populism that has found its president and vigorous avatar in authoritarian countries the camera suggests surveillance and the manipulation of truth and ideological ends in a democracy the camera functions as a proxy for ideal citizen for the person who takes time to attend public meetings who moves about in public spaces always wants to know more about the world and suggests the ideas of transparency access, curiosity, and openness. It doesn't just provide a semicircular consciousness roving the world. It suggests a large sense of consciousness too. As long as the camera is present, people will behave in a certain way because they can be seen, because they wouldn't dare get give free reign to their darker, more violent impulses if the world is watching. Anyone who has engaged in peaceful protests and least hopes for the old reassuring power of the camera to keep people in line with the professed values, to keep police faithful to their oaths. And so it seems almost as if the camera ran creating public space can forge a realm that is peaceful, open, and free. But the power is dependent on those who are watching and whether the camera repeatedly captures outrage against decency and nothing happens, which is exactly the case of Minnesota and all across the country where cameras have caught police gunning down people of color, resting their body weight on their necks, choking them while they lie passive and unresisting. state sanctioned murder fills every day in commonplace. Nothing changes. And yet the camera, which captures it all, is the best hope for renewing at least a little bit of principled resistance. The arrest captured on CNN crew cannot compare by any moral calculus to what the camera caught Monday. <clears throat> but it's another moment in the disintegration of American public life and its consequences can be profound. If the police target journalists and single out journalistic organizations they disapprove of over protection sanction, then we can be certain of one thing. There will be of George Floyd's more abuse of power, more corruption of public life. The boot we saw in Minnesota early Friday will be there and everywhere, trampling faces forever. That is one of the most heinous things I've ever read. Just heinous. Some of these comments are even fucking worse. Do you really believe, this is how far the media will go, that Trump called and said, arrest CNN. Do you really believe every cop is a thug? Their pale arms, like whiteness, is evil. This is virtue signaling on a level that can only be surpassed by Veshi on MSNBC, 
standing in front of a burning building saying this. I, I, I want to be clear in how I characterize this. This is a, mostly a protest. Uh, it is not. Uh, it is not generally speaking unruly. But fires have been started, and and there's a crowd that. Is- they just have no integrity. They only have political ideology. And when you fan the flames, when you continue over and over and over. I mean, Killer Mike said it best. It's karma. Here's what I got last night of CNN headquarters being attacked. No, that person, that person needs to be weeded out, and that person needs to be weeded out and fired before they can choke somebody. Exactly. Right. That's exactly. What because he that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Because if I have to get up and I have to check on all of my friends, I have to make sure all of my friends make it home every goddamn day. It's, it's not. It's not even hate. I'm, I'm terrified. I'm scared. I literally have to take. I've been taking anxiety meds all fucking day because I am nervous. I'm nervous because it's going everywhere, and I have no fucking idea when they're going to put their hands on me. It does not matter what I do because they see my skin. Okay? I need you to understand that. And I need you to do something. And if you do something, you need to let us know. You need to let the public know because anything that you do, we don't know. Okay? I'm standing here because what I saw was my people face to face with this crowd and everybody's thinking how can we use force and defuse it and I'm not having that I'm not having that we're here peaceful you have a right to be upset and be scared and to want to yell and we're going to have everybody can do what they need to do and we're going to be safe what did he say? that's my first thing and I hear you I've heard so many people that cannot sleep they're terrified they're crying. They're worried for their children. Well, what do you do? Because the people that work with him are defending us right now, and they need to check him if he did something. I just need you to make it in. That's my one request. So what's going on?
Uh, you have some people are laughing, some people are videotaping. They just threw something on fire, Chris, a firecracker. Yep. Something's on fire. Shit. Nick, you all right? You okay? You okay? You okay, guys? You all right? Is everyone okay? You all right, William? Okay, we're okay. Our crew's okay. They just threw a firecracker in on us. Well, this is a bizarre scene uh, for people who aren't used to this. Uh, you have some people are laughing, some people are videotaping. Just threw something on fire, Chris, a firecracker. Uh, you have some people are laughing, some people are videotaping. They just threw something on fire, Chris, a firecracker. Yep. Something's on fire. Shit. Nick, you all right? You okay? You okay? You okay, guys? You all right? Is everyone okay? You all right, William? Okay, we're okay. Our crew's okay. They just threw a firecracker in on us. Uh, you have some people are laughing, some people are videotaping. They just threw something on fire, Chris, a firecracker. Yep. Nick, you all right? You okay? You okay? You okay, guys? You all right? Is everyone okay? You all right, William? Okay, we're okay. Our crew's okay. They just threw a firecracker in on us. Chris, a firecracker. Something's on fire. Shit. Nick, you all right? You okay? You okay? You okay, guys? You all right? Is everyone okay? You all right, William? Okay, we're okay. Our crew's okay. They just threw a firecracker in on us. That was, what was that? Yeah, that was more than a firecracker. Well, like one of those, uh, was like a pretty powerful firecracker. It, it might have been a flashbang, Nick. pumping a little bit. It might have been a flashback. They, they may have gotten their hands on an undetonated flashbang that the police use, uh, which does exactly what you just saw. Everybody's okay? Good gracious. They just put something else on fire. Everything is okay, but they just set something else on fire outside, Chris. Uh, we, we, we don't want to get any closer than here, but can you see what's going on? You pushing on that? No, oh, okay. These demonstrators are starting out to uh, make their way back towards the park. Well, they're, they're loading. We understand my producer, Kevin Conlon, says that they're loading tear gas canisters up right now. But if that's tear gas that's in front of there, and, uh, um, Nick. Security's telling us to move. Chris, I got I to gotta go. Yeah, I'm Nick, if here. that's get, tear gas, you're going to want to get away from it because it's going to come up the stairs yeah, fast. We're getting out of here, Chris. All right, get yourself yep, to yep, a safer yep. location. We're out of here. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to you later. You got it. Thanks, buddy. All right. So here's what we've been watching, okay? You're actually not looking at Minneapolis. On your screen, you'll see it's Atlanta. Uh, that is the CNN world headquarters. Uh, police had been outside, and then as the crowds advanced on CNN, and they were on top of the CNN logo and spray-painting things on it, and they started light cars on fire uh, and become increasingly violent, we had the police move inside CNN, and then the windows of CNN were broken. And then, um, so you had a uh, big point of ingress, but then you had what we were showing you for the last few minutes, a standoff where you had rows of protesters, or whatever you want to call them, demonstrators, angry, agitated individuals. Chris, a firecracker. Yeah. on fire. Shit. Nick, you all right? You okay? You okay? You okay, guys? You all right? Is everyone okay? You all right, William? Okay, we're okay. Our crew's okay. They just threw a firecracker in on us. That was, what was that? Yeah, that was 
Was that like a pretty powerful firecracker? It, it might have been a flashbang, Nick. Pumping a little bit. It might have been a flashback. They, they may have gotten their hands on an undetonated flashbang that the police use, uh, which does exactly what you just saw. Everybody's okay? Good gracious. They just put something else on fire. Everything is okay, but they've just set something else on fire outside, Chris. Uh, we, we, we don't want to get any closer than here, but can you see what's going on? You pushing on that? No. Oh, okay. These demonstrators are starting out to uh, make their way back towards the park. Well, they're, they're loading. We understand my producer, Kevin Conlon, says that they're loading tear gas canisters up right now. But if that's tear gas that's in front of there, and, uh, um, Nick. Security's telling us to move. Chris, i got to go. Yeah, I'm Nick, if that's here. tear get, gas, you're going to want to get away from it because it's going to come up the stairs fast. We're getting out of here, Chris. All right, get yourself yep, to yep, a safer yep. location. We're getting out of here. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to you later. You got it. Thanks, buddy. All right. So here's what we've been watching, okay? You're actually not looking at Minneapolis. On your screen, you'll see it's Atlanta. Uh, that is the CNN world headquarters. Uh, police had been outside, and then as the crowds advanced on CNN, and they were on top of the CNN logo and spray-painting things on it, and they started light cars on fire uh, and become increasingly violent, we had the police move inside CNN, and then the windows of CNN were broken. And then, um, so you had a uh, big point of ingress, but then you had what we were showing you for the last few minutes, a standoff where you had rows of protesters, or whatever you want to call them, demonstrators, angry, agitated individuals. I mean, that's karma. You heard people, I mean, that was the police chief trying to tell them, oh, we're not like them, we're... We're down with your liberal cause. They didn't give a fuck. And yes, there was a sprint precinct there. I won't be like CNN and say, well, they purposely attacked CNN. No, there was a precinct. They were attacking CNN and their sign to get on TV and spread their message. But they were also trying to access the Omni Hotel and the precinct. Because there's a fucking outpost there. But they blew it up. And you can hear Chris Cuomo, at no time is this wrong. What the fuck are they doing? They're for it. They're down with it. They think it's the shit. So you get it. So let's, let's, let's move to Twitter. I'm going to make this really short because by now you've heard it. I think we covered it briefly before. They were starting the edit. I just want you to know that Obama said thug about Baltimore riots. Twitter didn't edit it. Point number four. The violence that happened yesterday distracted from the fact that you had seen multiple days of peaceful protests that were focused on entirely legitimate concerns of these communities in Baltimore led by clergy and community leaders, and they were constructive, and they were thoughtful. And frankly, didn't get that much attention. And one burning building uh, will be looped on television over and over and over again, and the thousands of demonstrators who did it the right way, uh, I think, have been lost uh, in the discussion. The overwhelming uh, majority of the community in Baltimore I think have handled this appropriately, expressing real concern and outrage 
over the possibility that our laws were not applied evenly in the case of Mr. Gray and that accountability needs to uh, exist. Um, and I think we have to give them credit. My understanding is, is you've got some of the same organizers now going back into these communities to try to clean up in the aftermath of a handful of protesters, uh, a handful of uh, criminals uh, and thugs who, uh, who tore up the place. What they were doing, what uh, those uh, community leaders uh, and clergy and others were doing, uh, that is a statement. Uh, that's the kind of organizing that needs to take place if we're going to tackle this problem. And they deserve credit for it, and we should be lifting them up. Uh, plenty of people, I think, when the president used the words thugs and criminals to describe some of the people in Baltimore. Um, and since then, there's been some sharp criticism from leaders in the black community of the president's use of that word. Um, some analysts saying that when it falls on black ears, it's to some the equivalent of, of using the N-word. Uh, and we heard that on our air. But when the president did the interview with Steve Harvey that aired this morning, we, he, he, it was almost a repeat of his press conference yesterday, except he left that word out. So is that an indication that the administration feels that maybe that wasn't the best use of terms yesterday? Uh, no, I don't think the president uh, would in any way revise uh, the remarks that he shared with all of you in the Rose Garden. The fact of the matter is the vast majority of people who were expressing their concern about the treatment of Freddie Gray while he was in police custody have done so in a responsible way. Uh, these are individuals, black and white, I would point out, that have, in the mind of the president, legitimate concerns. After all, that is exactly why the Department of Justice uh, is reviewing the facts of that situation. Uh, I know that local officials are engaged in a review as well uh, to determine what exactly happened and whether or not um, any misconduct occurred and whether criminal charges are, are necessary. I wouldn't weigh in on that. That's obviously going to be a decision that's made by independent uh, prosecutors, uh, as it should be. But what's also true, uh, and what did get uh, the lion's share of the coverage out of Baltimore, uh, were the actions of a small minority that uh, were nothing short of criminal actions. Uh, and whether it's arson, uh, or uh, you know, the looting of a liquor store, uh, those, were, those were thuggish acts. Uh, and I think the president uh, felt it was important and continues to think it's important to draw a clear distinction between those actions uh, and the efforts of the vast majority of people in that community to draw attention to the legitimate concerns that they have about the treatment of Freddie Gray and you know, what they perceive to be uh, some broader problems uh, that may exist, or, well, frankly, that do exist in the relationship uh, between some communities in Baltimore and the Baltimore Police Department. So the president to use all the same phrases and uh, virtually uh, you know, a recap of the, um, uh, the press conference yesterday, this morning, but, but to specifically leave out that word, you don't think that that was deliberate? I assure you that it was not. Everything he said is actually what Trump said yesterday. Geraldo Rivera, who hates Trump, said, if he keeps talking like this, he'll win in November. Because they were doing nothing but gotcha. Nothing. I actually watched the press conference. It was one of the rare times the TV just happened to be on it when we got done watching a movie. And nothing. Nothing he said wasn't what Obama said. But it was okay. But because he said... 
Trump posted uh, the update. Trump posted again for the official White House account. And Twitter has applied the same warning to it. Those thugs are dishonoring the memory of George Floyd. I won't let that happen. Just spoke to Governor Tim Waltz and told him that the military is on the way and difficulty and will assume control. But when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Thank you. And it had nothing to do with inciting violence. Mediate story was all he's an idiot. Alex Thompson, or excuse me, Jack from Twitter. Fact check. There's someone ultimately accountable for our actions as a company, and that's me. Please leave our employees out of this. We'll continue to point out incorrect or disputed information about Alexis Gobley, and we will admit to and own any mistake we make. Because the Yost got out, and he started getting pummeled by people like me, because I tweeted all of it. I tweeted Obama's tweets. I tweeted Obama saying it. Because now they're no longer an open platform. They're now a publisher, boys and girls. Because when you start editing people's tweets, you become a publisher. And you no longer have the rights afforded to you just to do whatever the fuck you want. You are regulated by the government. And they stepped across the line. Alex Thompson, Zuckerberg, hits Twitter on Fox News about fact-checking Trump. I just believe strongly that Facebook shouldn't be the arbiter of truth of everything people say online. And the world attacked them. Kara Swisher. This is nonsense. Mark is our arbiter of the entire operation and all they do. He makes choices daily that you can never see. It truly matters while being unfireable and all-powerful. Caleb Pohl, please leave our employees out of this, he says as he hires employees who think there are literal Nazis in the White House to run his company. That's back to Jack. Because they do. Yoel Roth. I'm just saying, we fly over those states that voted for a racist tangerine for reason. Rita Panini, fact-checked. When senior Twitter staff in charge of site integrity post deranged nonsense about actual Nazis in the White House. Then they'll be scrutinized. If you behave like a publisher, you should be treated as such. Joe Pollack, no one picked on Twitter employees. You have a senior exec who enforces the rules, and not only can't he, he obey the rules himself, but he has an egregious and offensive bias against people who are targets of his enforcement. Pointing that out is fair criticism. Eliza Stefanik, thanks for the clarification, Jack. This makes you accountable for allowing the Chinese Communist Party to abuse this site with misinformation and propaganda, which they allow to run. Reagan Battalion. Okay, since you're accountable, when are you going to start fact-checking the mullahs? Because they said, end of America. And that tweet stood. Wall Street Journal fact-checks Twitter, fact-check a president. There was an error in Twitter fact-check of Trump's vote-by-mail tweets, underscoring the challenge the social media platforms face trying to arbiter the truth. Twitter fact-check of Mr. Trump tweet appeared to contain its own misleading statement, however, stating that mail-in ballots are already in use in some states, including Oregon, Utah, Nebraska. That statement appears to conflate automatic all-mail voting with absentee ballots. It's totally different. Not the same. While all states allow absentee ballots by mail, only a handful of states include Oregon and Utah automatically send registered voters mail-in ballots if they want to use it. Nebraska, in contrast, recently mailed applications to every voter in response to pandemic, and the state didn't automatically send ballots. 
The mistake raised questions about Trump's ability to serve as an independent service to fact-check statements by Mr. Trump, Twitter's ability to serve as an independent service to fact-check statements by Mr. Trump or other political figures on its service. Late Tuesday, Twitter updated its language to remove reference to Nebraska and instead stated, five states already vote entirely by mail and all states offer some form mail-in absentee voting. Tim Carney. Yeah, it was a mistake for Twitter to get in the fact-checking game. Others. Twitter's like a parent that wants to umpire the kids' baseball game so the right team will win. Intrusion and decision were reliable and overwhelmingly go in one direction. The right one, which ironically is the left. Great point, Aaron. Problem is that national media run with headlines but then never offer the same coverage to the correction. It's what our media does. Here, and I'm just going to gloss over because we're really long today, 33 Twitter anti-conservative bias incidents. Most we've covered on the show. Fact-checking Trump. Censorship of pro-life Team Trump videos. No enforcement of policy for Democrats. Uh, the Hill Jonah easily wrote March 16th. One video, oh, I'm sorry. Let me read the whole thing. Violence against Trump has become so egregious that even the Hill and the Washington Post are calling it out. According to emails reviewed by the Hill, the Trump campaign flagged new contact on Twitter that it said had been deceptively edited, and it was all the Biden stuff. Removing Trump's Twitter account. Preventing a pro-life election ad. Senator Mitch McConnell campaign video. Candace Owens centered. Candace Ona Owens censored. Trump's attorney censored. Turning Point founder Charlie Kirk censored. Laura Ingram censored. Conservative journalists censored and suspended. They took out James Wood. Locked out life-size news. Another site banned for platform manipulation. Failure to enforce consistently, citing instances that violate our abusive behavior policy. Twitter safety announced that today we permanently suspend Alex Jones and Infowars. But they didn't do the other side. They let fuck Trump with syringes stay up. It's still up. Criticism of Bernie Sanders is sensitive content. 113 prominent conservative censors between 2015 and 2019. Then defending the left. Protecting Joe Biden and not letting you tweet against him. Promoting liberal values. Jack Dorsey has been consistent in left-wing political positions. Dorsey, the billionaire CEO of mobile payment company Square, is giving $5 million to Humanity Ford and other donations. I mean, we've covered it all. Protecting AOC. Working with Planned Parenthood. Preventing discussion about transgender ideology. You're deplatformed if you say Bradley Manning. Protecting former state rep Katie Hill. Protecting liberal journalists from learn to code. That was a whole thing. Failing to enforce violence and doxing of Antifa. They doxed people. They, I don't know if it's in here, but the media has released people's guns. If you own a gun and your address. Calls for violence against children at Covington. Chinese propaganda. Terrorist recruitment videos are up there. Anti-Hong Kong protester propaganda. Noted anti-Semite Reverend Louis Farrakhan. They don't touch him. China accusation against U.S. go unchecked because they took zero hedges post out. 
Twitter partners with academics to call RNC speech hate speech. Twitter announced it was a mission to rid its platform of intolerance and incivility. However, Twitter conveniently chose to partner with third parties. The group included three openly liberal experts. Patricia Rossini tweeted out from her account back at 16, summarizing tonight, hate, 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 wall, hate, 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 LGBTQ, hate, 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 ban immigration, hate, 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 law and order, RNC in Cleveland. She also praised Hillary Clinton for an interview she did saying, I'm stunned by this interview with Hillary Clinton and her very straightforward evaluation of Trump's presidency. That that's 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 what they do. Twitter. I would leave Twitter, but I need it for my podcast. I mean, that's the only reason. I have it. To a thick, quick COVID hit, and then we're in This Is America, which is a great outline of how the media treated lockdowns and how the media treats this. Dallas considering raising property taxes eight percent. Where I live. Nashville is going to raise property taxes 32%. They're both run by Democrats. Because now they got to make money. And NYC, under COVID directives, the mayor has put road speed at 20 miles per hour. When asked, is it a safety issue? She said, no. It's a revenue issue. <laughs> Say that, but that's what it is. They need revenue, so they posted the normal speed limit in all city roads is 20 miles an hour. I had it in a lighter fare because it's funny as shit because, you know, people saying scientifically it proves that you can't get COVID as long as you drive under 20 miles an hour. (laughs) COVID-19 has made states roll back their plastic bans because you don't have a choice. Then Alex Berenson, two months ago, Team Apocalypse said we need a million ventilators. Six weeks ago, we're running out of PPE. Four weeks ago, we had to wait two weeks. Two weeks ago, we needed a million tests a day. Now everyone has to wear a mask. Don't they all know, we know by now that they're just making it up? All these non-practicing MDs, all these still-employed PhDs, all the stay-at-home journalists, they don't have a clue, and they won't look at the data, and they won't ever admit the truth. More mass madness from a reader. Honestly, this thing looks like something Jennifer Epstein would make his masseuse wear. Full coverage is overrated. Here's what we were given. It's no thicker than a very T-shirt, really. We're still being encouraged to work from home, but a handful of us come in. It's currently rare I see someone, let alone, come within six feet of me. Just crazy. Then the rest of the people. Fauci's still saying masks don't work. CDC is reporting the following. It got out. I don't think they meant to. Lockdowns did nothing. Tens of... Tens of 
I think they're saying thousands of people were infected anyway. U.S. COVID epidemic was a bad flu season exacerbated by nursing home fiasco. Not nearly as lethal, as harmful as advertised. Models were wrong. No interventions did anything productive. The models will never be right. There will, will be no drug therapy. There will be no vaccine. Masks were only marginally effective. We just need to tough it out and keep going. That's from the CDC. We separated from the WHO. We're going to do that in our next podcast. But they're saying the mask doesn't do anything. They're still saying it. And CNN, men may die of virus more, but focusing purely on health data is dangerous because we need to make it a social justice. That's, that's what we need to do. So let's go into our This is America. This is from the MRC, Media Research Council. A tale of two protests, Minnesota riot versus versus anti-lockdown. It's quite telling. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing fake liberal agenda stories. This is America in 2019. Governor Whitmer, uh, thanks so much for, for joining us. I want to start with these protesters who entered the Michigan Capitol building on Thursday. We all understand people out there are feeling the economic pain right now. Uh, but what did you make of the protesters with firearms inside the state capitol? I know some Democratic lawmakers expressed concern and fear even. Yeah, well, you know, we know that people are not all happy about having to take this stay-home posture. And you know what? I'm not either. But the fact of the matter is we have to listen to the epidemiologists and their public health expert. And displays like the one that we saw at our capitol is not representative of who we are in Michigan. There were swastikas and Confederate flags and nooses and people with assault rifles. And that's the very, you know, that's a small group of people. When you think about the fact that this is a state of almost 10 million people, the vast majority of whom are doing the right thing. And that's why we've seen our curve get pushed down. We've saved lives in the process. And we have to keep listening to the epidemiologists and experts and not listen to the partisan rhetoric or these political rallies. Or, or tweets, for that matter. We have to keep doing the right thing, the next right thing. These protests came after President Trump uh, tweeted, uh, liberate Michigan. He tweeted, quote, the governor of Michigan should give a little, put out the fire. Uh, it, he said that these are very good people uh, about the protesters um, that were featured in the video, to which the executive director of the Jewish Democratic Council of America Haley uh, Sofer, who is from Lansing, Michigan, she compared those comments to President Trump referring uh, to those marching alongside neo-Nazis in Charlottesville as very fine people. I- is that how you see these protesters, in, in that vein, in that extreme? Well, some of the outrageousness of what happened at our Capitol this week, um, you know, depicted some of the worst racism and, and awful parts of our history in this country. You know, the Confederate flags and nooses, the um, swastikas, the, you know, behavior that you've seen in all of the clips is not representative of who we are in Michigan. I want to talk to you about these demonstrators that I saw uh, over the weekend uh, in your state capitol. Um, a number of them armed. 
Uh, I remember vividly a few years ago being in Ferguson, Missouri, and protesters there, uh, many of them uh, protesting. They weren't armed. They were referred to as thugs. Uh, these men and women, uh, many of them carrying flags, walking around with their guns in your state capitol, not adhering to social distancing uh, orders. Um, they would appear to be in violation of a, a number of laws. Why weren't they arrested? So, unfortunately, um, right now in Michigan, we see a small number of people. It looks large on, on television, but when you think about this is a state of 10 million people, this is a, a small contingent that came out and made uh, political statements. They carried nooses and Confederate flags and swastikas. A demonstration is no different from any other media availability. There it is. He takes advantage of it. And that these weren't armed protesters. He, by the way, has called them good. Even though they're threatening, they're standing in Lansing, Michigan, in front of the state capitol, armed to the teeth, threatening the governor to the point where she's had to retreat back into um, her office with more guards. I think it's a sign of radicalization. And I'm not saying this involves all Trump supporters. It doesn't. It doesn't involve all Michiganders or Long Islanders. But we have seen a segment of society radicalized. Uh, there are roots of it going back many years. But it's happening in front of us every day. Peter Winter, is that, is that too harsh a statement? Radicalization? These protesters, are they hindering the state's ability to contain the virus in any way? Well, I'll start with this. You know, Michigan is a state of almost 10 million people, and the vast majority of people in my state are doing the right thing, and they are taking this seriously. I am going to stay tethered to the science, the epidemiology. I'm going to make decisions based on facts, not based on, you know, political rhetoric or tweets for that matter. We're going to stay focused because what we're doing is working. We have seen our trajectory drop. We have seen our ability to test ramp up, and the number of positives continue to decline. What we're doing is working. So these protests, they do undermine the effort. And it's very clearly a political statement that is playing out where people are coming together from across the state. They are congregating. They are not wearing masks. They are not staying six feet apart. And then they go back home into communities. And the risk of perpetuating the spread of COVID-19 is real. We've seen it happen. And that's why, you know, while I respect people's right to dissent, they need to do it in a way that is uh, responsible and does not put others at risk. Governor, you know, I was really struck by the fact that you've described the protests as some of the worst racism and awful parts of our history. And you even said that there were swastikas, Confederate flags and nooses present. On a recent call, you asked Vice President Pence if he could discourage the protesters. Do you think you will get his support and given Trump's tweets to liberate Michigan, um, make a deal with protesters? Do you feel the administration is helping fuel the fire here? Well, I do think that the the fact of the matter is these protests, um, it, you know, in a in a perverse way, make it likelier that we're going to have to stay in a stay home posture. The whole point of them, supposedly, is that they don't want to be doing that, and that's why I'm asking that everyone with a platform call on people to do the right thing. You know, they, these have been. Um, these have been really political rallies where people come with Confederate flags and Nazi symbolism and, and calling for violence. 
this is not uh, appropriate in a global pandemic, but it's certainly not an exercise of, of democratic principles where we have free speech. This is calls to violence. This is uh, racist and misogynistic. And I ask that everyone who has a platform uses it to call on people to observe the best practices promulgated by the CDC and to stop encouraging this behavior because it only makes it that much more precarious for us to try to re-engage our economy, which is what everyone says they want us to be able to do. Governor Whitmer, this is Sarah. Sarah, you've become the target of vicious, violent private Facebook Facebook groups that say you should be beaten and lynched. Some of those people plan to attend a rally uh, at the state capitol this Thursday. And also this week, the Capitol Commission delayed a decision on banning firearms. Are you at all fearful for your uh, personal safety? When the protests against the senseless killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis started to turn violent, CNN's Don Lemon insisted on still labeling the rioters and looters as mere protesters. MSNBC's Ali Belshi, with a burning building behind him, told viewers this is mostly a protest. It is not generally speaking unruly. This is in stark contrast to the coverage given to the largely peaceful rallies by anti-lockdown protesters who just wanted to go back to work and had rebelled against extremely restrictive policies in states like Michigan. These protesters were smeared as racist threatening and compared to neo-Nazis. The following are just a few of the worst examples of network and cable journalists deriding the lockdown protesters, smearing the lockdown protesters as racist. There are growing concerns this morning over who is turning out for demonstrations against public safety measures in the coronavirus crisis. Protesters swarmed Michigan's state capitol again yesterday over statewide stay-at-home orders. Some of them had guns, big guns. The state's governor says she's concerned about possible racist elements among the crowd. Jerrica Duncan reports on what some say is a pattern of very unsettling incidents. Co-host Gail King on CBS This Morning, May 15. A third protest at the Michigan State Capitol Thursday as demonstrators there continue to rebel against the governor's coronavirus restrictions. This time, a fight broke out between demonstrators over a doll with a noose around its neck. It comes two weeks after protesters, some armed, walked into the Capitol building in another attempt to rally against the state's shutdown. In Chicago, a photo of a woman holding a sign with the phrase similar to the one displayed over the gates of several concentration camps has gone viral. Correspondent Jerrica Duncan on CBS This Morning, May 15. Are Michigan protesters like neo-Nazis? What did you make of the protesters with firearms inside the state capitol? I know some Democratic lawmakers expressed concern, and fear even, these protests came after President Trump tweeted, Liberate Michigan. He said that these are very good people about the protesters that were featured in the video, to which the executive director of the Jewish Democratic Council of America, Haley Seufer, who's from Lansing, Michigan, she compared those comments to President Trump referring to those marching alongside neo-Nazis in Charlottesville as very fine people. Is that how you see these protesters, in that vein, in that extreme? Host Jake Tapper to Democratic Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer on CNN's State of the Union, May 3. Urging arrest of lockdown protesters I want to talk to you about these demonstrators that I saw over the weekend in your state capital, a number of them armed. 
I remember vividly a few years ago being in Ferguson, Missouri and protesters there, many of them protesting, they weren't armed, they were referred to as thugs. These men and women, many of them carrying flags, walking around with their guns in your state capital, not adhering to social distancing orders. They would appear to be in violation of a number of laws. Why weren't they arrested? Co-host Craig Melvin to Democratic Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer on NBC's Today, May 5. Angered by alarming and disturbing protesters there is so much that is alarming and disturbing about the anti-lockdown protesters who are rallying against stay-at-home orders in their states. They wave Confederate flags, they are sometimes heavily armed looking like a gun-toting militia. They don't wear masks and they scream with their unmasked faces into the faces of police officers, who are also often not wearing masks. These angry spittle-flecked, mostly men, mostly white, spewing respiratory droplets and indignation are becoming a thing. Some of them armed to the teeth like they're going to war, in the face of officers and officers are quite casual about that. Host Joy Reid on AM Joy, May 9th. Worried about Whitmer's safety co-host Sonny Hostin, Governor, you know, I was really struck by the fact that you have described the protests as some of the worst racism and awful parts of our history, and you even said there were swastikas, Confederate flags and nooses present. On a recent call, you asked Vice President Pence if he could discourage the protesters. Do you think you will get his support and given Trump's tweets to liberate Michigan, make a deal with protesters, do you feel the administration is helping fuel the fire here? Co-host Sarah Haynes, you have become the target of vicious, violent private Facebook groups that say you should be beaten and lynched. Some of those people plan to attend a rally at the state capitol this Thursday, and also this week, the Capitol Commission delayed the decision on banning firearms. Are you at all fearful for your personal safety? Questions to Democratic Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer on ABC's The View, May 13. No. NCE again today you saw the tweet from the president today, calling those armed protesters who stormed Michigan's capital very good people. He wants the governor to give in to them. How about that? He says talk with them. They're good. Because he's so inviting of dissent, right? The man who condemns everyone and every institution that does anything but what he wants. Good people with R-15s in tow because you need that to protest. Just like Charlottesville, this president is forgiving of bad actions because he thinks it is good for him. Host Chris Cuomo on CNN's Cuomo Primetime, May 1. Fearful of radicalized protesters Daily Beast columnist Margaret Carlson, a demonstration is no different than any other media availability. There it is, he Donald Trump takes advantage of it. And that these weren't armed protesters. He, by the way, has called them good. Even though they're threatening, they're standing in Lansing, Michigan, in front of the state capitol armed to the teeth threatening the governor to the point where she's had to retreat back into her office with more guards. Host Brian Stelter, I think it's a sign of radicalization. And I'm not saying this involves all Trump supporters, it doesn't. It doesn't involve all Michiganders or Long Islanders. But we have seen a segment of society radicalized. CNN's Reliable Sources, May 17. 
There are growing concerns this morning over who is turning out for demonstrations against public safety measures in the coronavirus crisis. Protesters swarmed Michigan State Capitol again yesterday over statewide stay-at-home orders. Some of them had guns, big guns. The state's governor says she's concerned about possible racist elements among the crowd. Jerika Duncan reports on what some say is a pattern of very unsettling incidents. Open that business right now, today. A third protest at the Michigan State Capitol Thursday as demonstrators there continue to rebel against the governor's coronavirus restrictions. This time, a fight broke out between demonstrators over a doll with a noose around its neck. Organizers of the protest quickly distanced themselves from the incident. It comes two weeks after protesters, some armed, walked into the Capitol building in another attempt to rally against the state's shutdown. These have been um, these have been really political rallies where people come with Confederate flags and Nazi symbolism and and calling for violence. This is not uh, appropriate in a global pandemic, but it's certainly not an exercise of, of democratic principles. In that soundbite, we have Gail King smearing all the lockdown protesters as racist. Uh, Jerrica Duncan, a third protest in Michigan State Capitol Thursday's demonstrators here continue to rebel against the governor's um, coronavirus restriction. This time a fight broke out between demonstrators over a doll with a noose around its neck. Comes two weeks after protesters come armed, walked in the Capitol building in another attempt to rally against state shutdown. Chicago, photo of a woman holding up a sign with a phrase similar to the one displayed over the gates of several concentration camps has gone viral. One person. It's just like Tea Party. One person, racist sign, or gun. It's everybody but thousands of people breaking shit, oh, that's not the protest. That's not all protesters. Are protests, are Michigan protesters like neo-Nazis? These protests came after President Trump tweeted, liberate Michigan. He said that there are very good people about the protests that are featured in the video. So which the executive director of Jewish Democratic Council of America, Holly Salfer, is from Lansing. She compared those comments to President Trump referring to those marching alongside neo-Nazis in Charlottesville. That was Jake Tapper asking a question to Whitmer. (laughs) Nothing like loading up the bias. Urging arrest of lockdown protesters. That was Craig Melvin. We played it. Angered by alarming and disturbing protesters, Joy Reid. Worried about Whitmer's safety on The View. We we played that. Fearful of radicalized protesters, Daily Beast colonist Margaret Carlson. A demonstration is no different than any other media availability. There it is. He, Trump taking advantage of it, and that these weren't armed protesters. He, by the way, has called them good. Even though they're threatening, they're standing in Lansing, Michigan, in front of a state capitol, armed to the teeth, threatening the governor to the point where she's had to retreat back into her office. Host Brian Seltzer, I think it's a sign of radicalization, and I'm not saying this involves all Trump supporters. It doesn't. It doesn't involve all Michiganders or Long Islanders, but we have seen a segment of society radicalized by Trump. Actually, Trump channels a segment of society's comments. That's actually how it works, Brian. 
You just don't read anybody's replies because you're perfect. So I want to end on something positive. And this is wrong. It kind of goes against what I'm saying. All cops aren't this person. All cops don't do bad things. This cop is probably going to get fired, but I laughed so fucking hard. Lauren Jones, Wave 3 News, something I've never seen in my career, an armed officer shooting directly at a reporter, Caitlin Russ Wave, a photographer, JBT card fan, during the protests in Louisville. My prayers are going out to everyone tonight. Such a scary situation for all. They wouldn't move. He treated her just like a protester. And the reason he treated her just like a protester is the things she was saying. If you watched CNN last night, they were not reporting on the protest. They were advocates for the protesters. The black lady there on the ground, and I don't remember her name, was speaking for them. They didn't even, they didn't touch her. She was part of the crowd. She was one of them because they knew she was going to get their voice out. And that's exactly what this Louisville protester was doing. Young, white, millennial girl. So after days of it, because we've been going on for seven fucking days or longer. I don't even know how long the Louisville protests have been going. It's been a very long time. She continually didn't do what she was told. Over all the protests, he was done with it. So they were shooting pepper balls to back people the fuck off their position because they were strong pointing an intersection. She wasn't backing off. He fucking made her. The effect of the tear gas. So it seems like they, that people were very prepared. Hey, no, we're behind the line. Okay. Okay, well, you keep going and go where you got to go, then that's fine with us. Um, okay. We got plenty of time here. Are you okay? Shot. Getting... Kate, Katie, are you okay? Rubber bullets, rubber bullets, it's okay. It's those pepper bullets. It's those pepper they, bullets. Who are they aiming at? Who are they aiming at? Us. Like directly at us. Directly Why at are they us. doing that? They're shooting at our crew. I don't Do know. Do they not they're know that the obviously they see the camera? Right. It's just like CNN. If you're not going to be a journalist and just be there to document it, I mean, even if they just said, well, protesters we talked about have said it's about this. But it's getting very violent right now. That business is getting burned down. That's there. I mean, you don't have to side with the state. You, you don't have to be against the protest, but still be a journalist. But our journalists are with the protesters. And when you stack it up over what I just played... Where when other people protest, it's not freedom of speech. It is not their constitutional right. They're just all a bunch of Nazi racists. And then actual people who are thugs destroying shit don't even care that it's about a cop killing somebody. They're just there for the anarchy. And you promote that on your network. Well, I have to say, eat some pepper spray. Because you're just like the rest of the thugs tearing shit up. And I can say thugs. 
because Barack Obama said thugs. And he's the arbiter on lawfulness. He's the arbiter on race relations in America, which are horrible. We're all racist. He said it. But Twitter blocks and deletes it. Everybody calls him a racist for saying it. When, once again, thug doesn't mean black. If that's what you think thug means, then maybe you're the racist. Because thug's just a criminal. And everybody on those streets burning shit down are fucking criminals. So this wraps up an episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share it with your family and friends. And send comments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast Attic, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Downcast. Said that all fast. Remember, check out the Facebook page at FOP Podcast and the Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. We're going to go for a uh, 27 May Year of the Lord 2020 podcast, but it'll probably be sooner than that because it seems like everything's been happening sooner. Make sure you stay safe if you're one of the cities. As I said last night numerous times, and I wasn't the only one. Last night watching my TV set was one of those times I'm really glad I'm an owner of a 45 and 9 mil and 2 ARs and I'm sitting on quite a bit of ammo and I live in flyover because nobody's burning down anything where I live nor tearing shit up. Another statement that was quite repeated on Twitter. Do you notice it's only blue states that are burning shit down? People are protesting in Nashville. They're not tearing shit down. They're doing peaceful protest, which is what our framers envision and what we all support. Peaceful protest. It's blue states that they're burning shit down. So if you're in that blue state, stay out of the city, stay home, be safe, and tune in Wednesday for another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. As always, thanks for listening. Take care. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Makes every day count.